Hey, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 a.m. Uh, after midnight, it'll be Friday. That means all the Friday features will be here. Uh, you big dummy, straight out of context, Nick D Show Spies, and Fly Jams Friday. That's all coming up. Also, um, we're going to talk with Dan Raskin, who's the owner of Manny's Deli. Uh, on South Jefferson Street, uh, a legendary Chicago institution, and uh, they were in danger of of closing because of the pandemic. And uh, you know, a lot of businesses are taking a big hit, and restaurants especially. Um, and Manny's is just a, it's just a, a legendary place, and we don't want uh, anything bad to happen to Manny's. We certainly don't want it to close. So we're going to have Dan on to talk about uh, what people can do to help. Just go there and eat a bunch of pastrami. But uh, that place can't close. They were they were in trouble, and a lot of people came out. Past couple of days, tons of people came out to to help Manny's, and they have to continue. So, please continue to go to Manny's and have some food. It's it's a Chicago institution, one of the greatest restaurants in this city. Um, hey, we're going to talk to a real storm chaser. Danny Neal is the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. You can check out IllinoisStormChasers.com. Uh, He's seen hundreds of tornadoes, and. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk to him. We, you know, we've got some hot weather coming up, and uh, they, they talk about uh, hot weather as well. And so um, that's uh, coming up as well. Uh, classic Johnny Carson. We always play Johnny Carson uh, clips at 2.30 every morning, uh, every weekday morning. And uh, you can watch Johnny Carson, the Johnny Carson show, on Antenna TV every night, and you should because it's great. And we're going to get a visit from my favorite, Karnak the Magnificent. It'll be from 1975, Karnak the Magnificent. Uh, and we're also going to talk about um, horoscopes and weird weather events uh, and uh, all that fun stuff. 312-981-7200 is the phone number um, if you want to uh, join us. Um, and uh, let's, let me talk real quick here to Matt. Matt, go ahead. What do you got? Hello, sir. Did you hear the one about the guy who invented the knock-knock joke? No. He won the Nobel Prize. Okay. All right, Matt. Thanks, buddy. It's a heck of a way to kick off the show right there. All right. My first guest is uh, Miranda Pettengill. She is the Assistant Manager of Education and Events at the International Museum of Surgical Science, which is located here in Illinois, right on Lakeshore Drive, in fact, 1524 North Lakeshore Drive. It's open every day of the week, Sunday through Saturday, but closed on major holidays, and it's a cool place. International Museum of Surgical Science. And let's say hello to Miranda. Hi, Miranda. Hi, how are you? All right, how are you? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about the International Museum of Surgical Science, Miranda. Sure. Um, I usually describe it as a hidden gem because a lot of people don't know it exists, but it's a really, really cool museum. Yeah. One of the things that makes it really cool is that the museum is within a historic mansion. So it's this beautiful old mansion on Lakeshore Drive, four stories that overlooks the lake. It's over 100 years old. Wow. And then it's full of medical history, uh, exhibits about different topics like um, x-rays, obstetrics. We have an iron lung we have um, uh, four thousand year old Peruvian skulls that had brain surgeries performed on them. So wow. it's a really cool, eclectic place. Wow, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Um, how did you get involved with the museum? 
so I'm a museum educator by trade. I have an MA in museum studies, and I've worked at a number of other museums around the Chicago area. So I got this job really just by applying for it. I had yeah. no medical history experience before I started here, but it's been a really um, it's been a really fun and weird journey. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this museum. Uh, 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 you studied museum. What, what was it? What is it again? You got an MA in museum what? Museum studies. Museum studies. I wasn't even aware that mm-hmm. that was. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it makes sense that you have never heard of it because it's like a super niche field of study. But museum studies is a degree that's kind of intentionally generalist. Um, museums are really interdisciplinary institutions. You have people who work on exhibits. You have people who work on education, like giving group tours. That's what I do. You have um, people who raise money. You have people who do communications. You have administrators. So you need people with lots of different skill sets to be in a museum. And a museum studies degree kind of gives you a grounding in all of those areas. Um, so I took um, classes on all of those things, and then I decided to focus on museum education specifically. Wow, oh, that's that's amazing. What are what are some of the other museums that you've worked with? Uh, I have worked at the Museum of Science and Industry. I have worked at the Jane Addams Hull House Museum, oh, and sure, I've yeah. worked at the Art Institute. Oh wow! Well, those are great places. I haven't been to the Museum of Science and Industry in such a long time. It was my favorite museum when I was a kid. Same here. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's such a fun place. It's a fun place, and you know what? One of the reasons why I loved it so much. God, I wish I—I I, I just haven't been there in such a long time. I got to get back in there. Uh, but one of the reasons why is because it was really fun and interactive. You know? Yeah, it's a place where you don't have to worry that you're going to break something. You're allowed to just kind of like be free, and it's, yeah, that's part of why it's a fun yeah, place. Yeah. So uh, this museum that you. That you're working at now, obviously, the International Museum of Surgical Science. When did you first become aware of it? Um, I had heard of it before, kind of vaguely, but I had never really visited until I got an interview there. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't something that I was deeply familiar with before I started working there, which is part of the reason I understand the perspective of people who have like kind of heard of it but have never been, even people like me who love museums. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I've heard of the museum. I've just never been there. And and uh, and uh, how often? Uh, what, what are the hours so that people know? Yeah, we're open every day of the week. Um, we are open nine thirty to five on weekdays and ten to five on weekends. Okay, and uh, and you're open Sunday through. You're open every day of the week. Um, every day of the week, and, and people can come down and check it out. It, it's located at fifteen twenty four North Lakeshore Drive, and you said in a beautiful uh, in a beautiful mansion. Yeah, um, so it's right next to like the North Avenue exit of Lakeshore Drive, and it's on inner Lakeshore Drive. Okay. Um, and it's in this gorgeous old limestone mansion with like beautiful marble floors and incredibly high ceilings. It's a fun place. Cool. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Miranda, hang on, okay? Sure. Uh, Miranda Pettengill is with us. Uh, she is the Assistant Manager of Education and Events at the International Museum of Surgical Science. If you've ever been there, uh, and you want to uh, tell us about your uh, time being there, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. 
We're live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 a.m. After 3 o'clock, the regular Friday features will happen. Uh, right now, we're talking with Miranda uh, Pettengill, who is Assistant Manager of Education and Events at the International Museum of Surgical Science, which is located at 1524 North Lakeshore Drive. Uh, and hello, uh, Miranda. Hi. Hey. So uh, I understand that actually people have gotten married there. What's that like? <laughs> yeah, a big part of my job is managing private events at the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of a way that museums often make money is by renting the space out as a venue. Um, and since we have this beautiful mansion, it makes sense that people want to get married there. We have this gorgeous room overlooking the lake that's filled with um, the gray stone statues they call the Hall of Immortals. People often have their ceremonies in there. Um, and it's it's really fun to manage weddings there. And I think people value it because it's a really unique space um, that already has a lot of character to it. And, um, I mean, how often are you going to go to a, a wedding at a surgery museum? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Tell me about this Hall of Immortals. I know it's been there at, since, the, since uh, the museum opened to the public in 1954. Mm-hmm. So... The museum is an interesting place if you're a museum person like me, like you're interested in kind of the development of museums and the way people think about them, because it's been through a number of iterations, and it was first founded as a hall of fame to surgery. The museum was founded by a doctor named Max Thorek. There's still a Thorek Hospital in Uptown, Mm -hmm. same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so he founded the International College of Surgeons, which is the parent body of the museum. And then he founded this museum as like a Hall of Fame to surgery, which is not really the way people don't really found Hall of Fame halls of fame anymore. That's not really the way you would develop a museum today. But like in the fifties, it was maybe more typical. And so he commissioned all of these statues of important medical figures for the founding of the museum. So the statues are, um, the statues in that hall were, were commissioned in the 50s. And there are also a number of murals uh, that were commissioned for the founding of the museum that depict important events in medical history. Wow, that's really cool. That's really it's so it's so unusual. Uh, what, what are people's reactions when they come to the when they come to the museum, Miranda? I think it's really varied. Um, so I interact directly with the public a lot because I give tours. Obviously, right now because of the pan- not right now because of the pandemic, sure. but normally I do. Yeah. Um, and I think people's reactions uh, really, really range um, because some of the content in our museum is like both fascinating and horrifying. I bet. People's reactions can like run the gamut. I, I think some people think it's like really cool and some people are really grossed out. Um, and I, I think that like people aren't necessarily, unless they work in the medical field, they aren't necessarily used to kind of like confronting the gruesome realities of their own mortality all the time. And so <laughs> coming to the museum can be like kind of a roller coaster of emotions. I They're bet. Really I bet. I've had people faint on tours or throw up. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> the first tour I ever gave, someone fainted. So that was uh, uh, an introduction. Your first tour, someone passed out. Yeah. Oh, my it God. Was, I was talking about how George Washington may have died from excessive bloodletting treatments, and they just <laughs> fell over. <laughs> 
Oh man! Well, tell me about some of the exhibits. What what what's in the museum? When what what are the things that make people a little more squeamish than others? Um, well, I think one thing that makes people squeamish is that we have all these murals. Like I mentioned, that they were commissioned for the founding of the museum. Yeah, and they depict surgeries. So, like one of them, we call the amputation painting. Oh man, it's like straight up a painting of an amputation, maybe in like the 1800s. Oh. So that means that um, it's taking place not in a hospital, but in a kind of nondescript room. It was probably in somebody's house, like in their kitchen. Uh, it means that the patient is not under anesthesia, so oh. the patient is, like, very clearly in pain or on the verge of passing out. Um, the tool that they're using in the painting is this, like, horrifying-looking saw. It's a bone saw so that they can cut through the bone really quickly because in an era before anesthesia, probably the biggest priority in a surgery was getting it done quickly. You just had to, like, get right, through it. Right. Um, so you needed, like, a strong, efficient tool. Uh, they got just, like, a bucket to catch the blood. Um, there's sort of a crude tourniquet made out of a rag. It's pretty wild. Uh, I, I think people have pretty strong reactions to yeah, this painting. Yeah, I have to come to this museum. There's, there's, <laughs> there's just no question about it. Tom, we have to go to this museum. Yeah, Please maybe come visit. we'll have to do a we'll, we'll do a date night. Oh my god, it sounds so <laughs> it sounds so awesome. Um, and what are some of the other exhibits besides that the the hall of uh, uh, the hall of murals and uh, that that kind of stuff? Um, so there are a number of exhibits about different topics. I have some personal favorites. One exhibit that I think is really relevant right now is our iron lung. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so an iron lung was used to help treat polio patients. And polio is a disease that affects the lungs, just like COVID is. Um, And polio is a disease that uh, it it paralyzes your body slowly, so which is really terrifying. Um, So it means that people who are who were afflicted with polio couldn't get up and walk around, but they also couldn't really breathe or eat because they couldn't engage their muscles in order to inflate and deinflate their lungs. And so an iron lung is a really, uh, a really brilliant contraption to help polio patients breathe. And like, we've all seen pictures of iron lungs. They're kind of like these big tubes and people's bodies are inside and their heads are sitting on a platform outside the machine. Um, And the, and an iron lung uses negative pressure. It uses like a vacuum to force people's lungs to expand and contract. So it like forces their body to breathe for them. Um, I've only seen and, iron, I've only seen iron lungs in movies. Right. Yeah. yeah well, we've got one. It's uh, seafoam green. You should come visit it. How fun? How, um, how, where does it? Where does that go back? Date? Date wise? Um, it's from the it's it's from the first half of. The last century. I couldn't tell you exactly what okay. year it is. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's a like polio epidemic that affected thousands and thousands of people, especially children. Polio especially affects children. And yeah. we have on display this little wooden wheelchair that would only affect a child. Um, and I really like talking to school groups, like especially younger kids, about the iron lung because a lot of them have never seen it and have never heard of it and right. have maybe even never heard of polio, which is such a blessing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I talked, and there's there's still no cure for polio. We only uh, have eradicated polio in the United States because of a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So I really like talking to kids about the importance of vaccines. Yeah. 
Wow, that's that's a that's really amazing. Now you offer digital uh, uh, exhibits too, right? If people can go online. Yeah, we have a couple a couple of digital exhibits right now. Um, we have one on pain and pain management, which we also have an exhibit, like an in-person exhibit about pain management, kind of a history of anesthesia and of uh, patent medicines, like early pharmaceuticals. And we also have an online exhibit about Provident Hospital, which was one of the first hospitals that was run for and by African-Americans. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really incredible place. We also have developed a series of at-home STEM activities for middle schoolers to do, um, like, when they're learning at home during quarantine that helps them engage with medical science, and that should be dropping, should be going on our online channels, like, next week. Now, you've been able to reopen, right, under the Phase 4 guidelines. How's that going? It's going... It's going fine, actually. I, I was nervous about it, but it's it's really going well. Um, we have a number of safety measures in place, and guests, for the most part, have been pretty good about following them closely. Um, everybody wears a mask inside. We have directional arrows so people follow a particular path when they're in the museum in order to maintain social distancing. Uh, we have sanitizer available for everyone. We're wiping down touch areas. Um we're doing no cash right now, like low, low touch transactions. So um, it's unfortunate that right now we aren't allowed or we aren't able to do a lot of our regular programming like group tours. But I think considering the circumstances, reopening has gone really well. Well, that's good. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and how long have you guys been reopened? Oh, man, um, not that long. Just a few weeks. Mm hmm. Uh, whenever we moved into phase four, I, I guess was at the very end of June uh, was when we opened the galleries. Although we had opened the gift shop a couple of weeks earlier under the phase three retail guidelines. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the place sounds fascinating. I got to get out there, Miranda. It just sounds amazing. Um, it's a really fun place. Please come. I'll give you a tour. I would love it. A socially distanced tour. A social, <laughs> socially distant tour. Um, and I really want to see this hall of murals. I just can't. <laughs> if it, it, listen, if, if this Hall of Mirrors inspires people to pass out, that's something I got to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people are like deeply fascinated by it and some people run away. Yeah. So we'll see which one you are, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, what's really weird is that I'm, I really want to come out and, and check this place out. But I'm like a hospital phobe. I'm like a medical phobe. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, but and yet I still want to come out and check this place out. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Um, so i i have a I have a friend named Griffin. You know, Griffin Filipich. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm right um, here at the station. Yeah, yeah. So Griffin's one of my good friends, and he told me that you like horror movies. I do. I like horror movies too. Um, and I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this interview. I was thinking about like one of the reasons that I like horror movies is that I think horror movies are this way for people to engage with things that are scary like in a safe setting right. you know, it kind of allows you to confront your fears right um in in sort of it's like your fears made manifest but you're watching it in a movie you're not actually confronting it yeah and i think that there is some power in coming to 
a museum to confront the same thing. Like it allows you to think about your body, um, your mortality, and it also to like learn from the ways that we have thought about and treated bodies in the past. But it's a way to do it in a safe environment yeah. where you aren't actually experiencing some kind of illness. All right. That's that's well yeah that sounds great but your your explanation for why horror movies are, are 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 so popular you're absolutely right people can confront their fear and just know that it's you're just watching a movie and you know. yeah it's cathartic yeah. but it's not actually dangerous yeah absolutely yeah okay well listen Miranda it's been so much fun talking to you uh, and uh, and and uh, and uh, I got to get out there to uh, the International Museum of Surgical Science. It's at 1524 North Lakeshore Drive. You can check out the website at imss.org. You can check out some uh, the digital exhibits as well. And it's open every day of the week, Sunday through uh, Saturday, and closed on major holidays. Uh, Miranda, real pleasure uh, talking to you. It sounds like a fascinating place, and I can't wait to get out there. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to having you visit. Okay, take care. Miranda Pettengill, uh, the uh, Assistant Manager of Education and Events at the International Museum of Surgical Science. Sounds like such a fascinating and cool place. I want to check out that Hall of Murals, man, if it's making people faint. Got to see it. All right, it's at 1524 North Lakeshore Drive. IMSS.org is the website, the International Museum of Surgical Science. Thank you, Miranda. Okay, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Dan Raskin, who is the owner of uh, Manny's Deli. Um, and, uh, you know, they they were obviously so many of the restaurants and businesses are being affected by you know, the pandemic, and they're taking a big hit. Manny's is taking a big hit, and, the, you know, they, they reached out for help, and people came. Um, and we want to make sure that people keep going, because Manny's is an institution. So we're going to talk with Dan Raskin about uh, what's going on at Manny's Deli during the pandemic and how you can help out by just going in there and eating. Get some food. It's like the best deli in the world. So uh, Dan Raskin is uh, going to join us after the uh, break. Right, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we're live in the uh, <clears throat> Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. All the regular Friday features are coming up. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. So, uh, you know, during this uh, pandemic, a lot of businesses have been hit hard. Um, some have been forced to close down. And uh, there's just a lot of a lot of uh, bad things happening uh, to so many businesses. Well, one of the quintessential businesses in this city uh, is Manny's Deli on Jefferson Street. Um, it's just it is it is Chicago as far as I'm concerned. And uh, they put out, um, a, a, you know, they needed some help because they're they're getting hit hard as everybody is. And uh, we don't want Manny's to close down. There's no possible way. That Manny's has to clo- has to close down, but people came out. They did come out, um, and the, you know there was a line around the block uh, after you know the, the the call was made. Dan Raskin is the owner of Manny's Deli. Uh, he's third generation, and uh, I wanted to have Dan on just to talk about what's going on at uh, at Manny's. Dan, how are you? 
Great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I love Manny's. It's uh, you know, it's a, it's a Chicago institution. First of all, let's go through the history of Manny's Deli. So Manny's was actually started by my great grandfather and his brother Jack and Charlie, and it, their son was Manny. And the, Jack and Charlie owned a different restaurant, but it was very similar food. Everything about it was the same. And when we moved to our current location. It was opened by Manny, and he uh, he he ran it till 1982. My dad ran it with him, and then I've been at the restaurant now for 15 years. Well, it's just such a great place. It's so iconic, um, uh, you know, and the food is so great. Uh, <clears throat> and you guys, you know, this pandemic. When when did you guys really start to get? You had to close down for a while, correct? Um, yeah, we we were like off and on for a while. I think it really hit us big right in the beginning. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, especially for our corned beef, is our busiest time of year. Oh, yeah. We we do tons of corporate orders, and Manny's is just super busy that whole weekend uh, with people trying to get their corned beef. So we we had all these orders. We had them all written up, all ready to go. We had all our corned beef ordered and ready, and uh, everything was closed down. So... Um, that that really started everything on the the wrong track. And as we went on, and we learned more about the pandemic, we we uh, had to close during parts of it, um, m- mostly for um, rioting issues in the neighborhood. And we we managed to stay open for almost every other time, except for that when they closed all the streets and made it so we couldn't get to work. Mm. But um, our, our problem's been is there's just no foot traffic in the neighborhood, and people are just not coming out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's what's the plan going forward? So going forward, we uh, we knew we wanted to get some customers, so and we need to make sure that they knew what's really happening to businesses and specifically to us is that um, we know the people are out there, and we just wanted to remind them, and people get set in their ways of, being at home and doing other things, but they have to carry on their lives in some way. And we asked them to come back and they came back in a big way. We've from nine thirty in the morning to eight at night, the last two days, we've been uh, lined up out the door and uh, people have been very patiently waiting and getting their food and really supporting us and supporting our staff. That makes me so happy. It really does. And everybody's following the rules that masks, social distancing and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we we had to remind a few people to make sure they they stay there, but for the most part, people who are going out understand what they're getting themselves into, and they uh, they've been doing a great job. I mean, it's it's just incredible. And times like these, when some people don't have jobs and people it's tough to go out, they're they're lined around the block just to to come in and grab some food from us. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the about the food, the the the, uh, the corned beef and the pastrami in particular. Uh, how is that done in house? Um, so we we uh, we have uh, our own product, and uh, it's just the way that we slice it. I think is is one of the big things. And of course, we have Gino serving it up every day. Yeah, but uh, we we slice it really thin, and it melts right in your mouth right when you're eating it. So. Yeah, no, it's it's just everything at everything at Manny's is uh, is fantastic. Potato pancakes, you got brisket, matzo ball soup, all the classic deli, uh, the deli stuff. Um, and is has has the menu changed at all over the years, or is it pretty much the, it's been the same because it's classic. 
Yes, very, very little. Um, the core items we've we've kept the same, and we've added some healthier options. Uh, we, we have a really big salad counter right when you walk in that you can choose your own salads or do create your own. And uh, but the, the main staples like the beef stew, the knishes, the matzo ball soup, the uh, the daily hot entrees that that we that are made from scratch every day, that uh, they have really stayed the same, and that's. Uh, what people come back and look for. There there are multiple generations of customers and families that keep coming in and they know what they're going to get and they get the same thing every time. Exactly. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Let's talk a little, did you have to cut down on staff? So in the beginning, we we weren't really sure how this was going to last. So we we talked to the staff and we said we wanted to keep everyone to be getting some hours so we kind of evened out the hours to everyone, and they all lost a little bit because we had to cut back hours. If people just weren't coming in for breakfast. The later dinner crowd was not coming in. Um, but we, the one thing we wanted to make sure was that they, they all were fed every day. So we, we made a sign-up sheet and allowed all our employees to sign up and take food home for their families and themselves to make sure everybody had at least one good meal every day. Oh. And then uh, as, as time went on, there were some some jumps in business and then some dips in business, and the last few weeks it's it wasn't looking too good. Like we, the, business, the numbers kept going down, even though they were opening up more things. And I, I think it was more of the neighborhood of where we're at is that the, where the people are not going downtown. Manny's is known for a big meeting place where people come and meet, and like colleagues or friends or family, and make a business deal. And people are just not doing that stuff right now. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we had a meeting and we talked about what, what could we do to, to uh, get some customers in. And we just we said the best thing to do is be honest and let people know what's going on. And we did it and they came. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And, and uh, you know, the, Manny's is just, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's, a, it's a Chicago institution, and, uh, and people, people, I believe, know that. And the foot traffic uh, has been cut down because some people aren't even going into work downtown, correct? Right, yeah. I mean, downtown is desolate. Like, when you look downtown, there's, it's going to be tough. I mean, there's so many businesses that are restaurants and, and other businesses that rely on people walking by, and it's just not there. I mean, the people are in the suburbs or working from their homes, and it's just uh, not a good situation. Uh, is uh, is the deli as a restaurant style popular as it used to be? Is it you know especially the cafeteria style that you guys do? Um, I, I think so. I mean, pe- people still really enjoy what they they like to see with their eyes what they're getting. So when you walk in the restaurant, you can see everything right in front of you. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, we did a, a little facelift and and cleaned up the restaurant a lot and put in modern uh, better refrigeration and and better lighting and we, we really made it more comfortable for our customers yeah well it's a it's it's a, it's such a great place and you guys are open for business let's uh, let's just make sure that everybody knows that correct yeah we're open for dine-in carry out and we also have some outdoor seating we converted part of our parking lot to uh to outdoor seating so right now, what we've been doing we, with all the support, we've we've only been taking pre-orders for day of for online orders, and then we're letting people uh, just line up and get what they need. And uh, as time goes on, we'll open up more online ordering and phone ordering to uh, 
to take care of the customers. Okay. And what are your hours? I want to make sure everybody can get to Manny's. We're Sunday and Monday, 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., and Tuesday through Saturday, 9.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. 9.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, and uh, get to Manny's and uh, help them out. Do you have a favorite item on the menu? Definitely the pastrami. Yeah. One of, one of, one of my favorites. Yeah, so but, I, I, highly, I highly suggest the pastrami sandwich. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think the, the corned beef and the pastrami are both aces, uh, but everything is great at Manny's. Everything is great, and the menu's been the same as you said. It's it, it you you tweaked it a little bit before, but it's still pretty much the classic uh, deli style. Yes, well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's the best. Manny'sDeli.com. Manny'sDeli.com. Uh, listen, Dan, thank you so much, man, and I, I wish you the best, and I want everybody to go to Manny's. Manny's Deli is a uh, a Chicago institution. Uh, it is a great place. It's at 1141 South Jefferson, 312-939-2855. That's 312-989-2855. Manny's Deli, lots of businesses that are having some trouble right now, uh, and uh, this one's a Chicago institution, so go and get some pastrami tomorrow. So... <laughs> Dan, thank you, man. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you in the restaurant. Okay, Take buddy. Care. Thanks very much. Uh, Dan Raskin, who is the uh, third-generation owner of Manny's Deli. This is a Chicago institution. I know a lot of businesses and restaurants are being hit hard by the pandemic. This place cannot close. It cannot close. It's one of the greatest places in this city. So go get some pastrami. Go get some matzo ball soup. Do it tomorrow. Get there and help out Manny's or call for an order at 312 939 Two eight five five. I love Manny's. Okay, take a break here on seven twenty WGN. Blue jean baby, LA lady, seamstress for the band. All right. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Here until 4 o'clock. The Friday features will come up after 3 o'clock. Uh, straight out of context, Nick D. Show spies, you big dummy. Fly jams Friday. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking with a real storm chaser. Danny Neal is the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. And he's been chasing storms. Saw some tornadoes up close. So we're going to talk about that and some weird weather stuff. 312-981-7200 is the phone number on the Team Hochberg phone line. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. So, um, did you watch the Golden Girls? Hmm. I, I, I did, actually. Did oh. you? Yeah, well, it was mostly in my friend's bar. We would go, whenever she was bartending, I would go and hang out and everything, because that was the only time I'd ever get to see her. And uh, it would be me and, like, maybe four other people in this bar. And she'd turn on the Golden Girls. And we all just sit there and watch the Golden Girls and, re- and re- truly enjoy it. That show is funny. You know, I'm, it so I, funny. I'm not, I never watched it. It's great. But I love all of the women in it. Yeah. They're all awesome. I, I have no idea why I never actually, like, I mean, I've seen a couple episodes here and there. But it wasn't a show that I watched on a regular basis. Well, to be fair... You know, I didn't think I would enjoy it. It's yeah. a it's a show about uh, ladies of a certain age, right. all living together. You know, I, I it didn't strike me as yeah. something I'd be interested in. And then I started watching it, and I realized just how 
knockdown drag out funny it is. Oh well, no, everybody every everybody I know who watched that show on a regular basis is like it's hilarious. And you got to I mean it's such a great cast and a fantastic theme song. Andrew Gold. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Well, here's the story, man. The Golden Girls house is now for sale with a nearly $3 million price tag. Well, there you go. Yeah, you can, now, I don't you even know. Was, so, was the house, did they have, was the house featured prominently in the show? Well, yeah. I did mean, they all live in the same house? All four oh, of the God. Golden Girls? Do they? No, I think uh, it's one of them and her mom. I never really got the premise. I was just like, "Oh, it's just these four, these four older older ladies." The uh, and they all hang out. The home made famous in outdoor shots for the iconic sitcom The Golden Girls can now be yours for a little more than Dorothy, Blanche, Rose, and Sophia paid. For, well, I guess they all they all live there then. Paid for it back in the eighties. The two thousand nine hundred and one square foot bedroom comes with four bedrooms. No house comes with four bedrooms and a um. A nearly $3 million price listing ta- uh, price, according to House Beautiful. The house is not located in Miami, as depicted in the TV show, but in Los Angeles, where it served as the facade for the home for, for, for the four older, that the four older women shared. Golden Girls aired from 1985 to 1992, and there were 180 episodes across seven seasons. Wow. Uh, of the four lead actresses, only 98-year-old Betty White is still living. You got to love Betty White, man. I love her on Match Game, on the Match Game reruns from the 70s. She's fantastic. Uh, she's great on everything, Betty White. Uh, if the nearly $3 million price for uh, the Golden Girls home seems steep, here are some listings of other TV show homes. You ready for this one? The Brady Bunch House, which apparently the 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 inside of the house is nothing like the inside of the Brady Bunch uh, the Brady Bunch House. It's completely different. And it, and it, I always love the fact that like you know like uh, Robert Reed plays an architect, and he designed a house. He designed a house with only one be- bathroom and uh, six kids. That was always the. Thing. Thing that, um, located in Studio City, California, the Brady Bunch house was recently renovated by the six actors who played the Brady Bunch, the Brady children on HD. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, HGTV's a very Brady renovation. That was a good... Did you watch that? I, I, I only recently got into house stuff in terms of shows. Oh, like HGTV stuff? Yeah, I used oh, to it's hate, pretty cool. I used Renova- to hate it growing up. Renovating stuff? Oh, man. Oh, like My man. parents would drag me to Ikea. I, the only thing that made it worth it was the Swedish meatballs. Yeah. But uh, I recently started watching every version of House Hunters that exists. It's great. And now i got to watch this, the very Brady renovation. Oh, it's great, man. Now, you, do they work on the house yeah. from the Brady Bunch? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the price for the Brady Bunch house, you ready for this? $3.5 million. It's such a weird looking, I mean, it's such a 70s facade. Yeah, like whenever the, when the way they would cut to the outside of the Brady Bunch house would be like, oh, I I wonder what decade this takes place in. <laughs> yeah, it's a split level. Yeah, uh, it's I I like it. I think it's all right. It is clearly dated, but yeah. uh, you know, that, I mean, it's uh, iconic though. 
That's the thing is that you can't update the facade now. It's too late. Oh yeah, it's, it's part Absolutely. of Brady Bunch history. Yeah. So three point five million if you want to buy the Brady Bunch house. I'll consider it. How about the full house house <laughs> in San Francisco? Yeah, as a member of San Francisco's iconic painted ladies row of Victoria homes, the three-story facade was put up on the market in February. You know, you, you, are you ready for this? Here's what it's going for. 5.5 million. It is San Francisco. It's San Francisco. Yeah. Well, and I you didn't watch Full House, right? No. You were never a full, I used to watch it every night on on Nick at Night. Yeah. And uh as as I got older, I realized that there's no way that many people can live in that house. I, I, I mean, it is a three-story house, granted. Yeah. But that must have been well, a very the, full house. Well, that's the title of the show. Yeah. No, that was a period of time when I wasn't, I was like in my mid-20s and I was never home. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? I was out partying or being an idiot. So there's a, there's, a, there's a section of 80s television that I just didn't, that I didn't watch. There's a it's you know and it's weird too because I watch so much TV and I've been watching TV my whole life except for that there's this weird black hole in the you know the mid to late 80s where I didn't watch anything I was just I was out all the time so like stuff like like uh, Full House and Who's the Boss and uh, oh you never watched Who's the Boss no Family Ties. Uh, I remember the. I remember where Tom Hanks was the drunk uncle, and he was drinking van, uh, vanilla extract. Oh God, that was a grim. A yeah, grim, that's one of those very special episodes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In this very special, I have episode. seen that episode. I've seen some episodes of Family Ties. Well, it's, 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 it's you know, <laughs> if you're gonna watch one episode of Family Ties, might as be might as well be the one where Tom Hanks is drinking vanilla. He's drinking extract. vanilla extract. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Sex in the City brownstone. Oh, this has got to be going for a lot of money. The apartment facade is located in New York's West Village, and it played home to many dramas of Carrie Bradshaw's love life. Uh, it sold in 2012 for over $200,000 its asking, asking price. And the price? $9.65 million. Ooh. Again, New York Brownstone. New York Brownstone. New York Brownstone. Yeah, I mean, West Village. Who said you could buy a brownstone in my neighborhood? <laughs> Man, you're a Jordan's up. <laughs> That's the only scene that John Savage is. He's wearing a Larry Bird jersey, too. <laughs> Let's do the right thing, by the way. Yeah. I, I have a cousin that worshipped the, the Sex in the City thing, because she, she, she was a fashion writer. That was her that oh, was well, premise, sure. right? Yeah. So she, she worshipped her. And she actually does live in New York now. She works for, I think she, she works for- She lives in Manhattan? Home. She, uh, Yes. I believe she's in Manhattan, and I believe so she, she works for Vogue. I was going to say she must be making some dough. Yeah, she's if doing she can right. afford to live in Manhattan. Well, she I, she was asking me when I was in college because I was going to journalism school, and yeah, she's like asking me for tips and everything like that. I was like, well, what do you want to write about? She's like, fashion. I was like, well, I can, uh-huh. I don't know if I can help you there, but you know, just you know, you know read a lot of fashion magazines and figure out how they write. Well, she's doing like all right. That. She's living in Manhattan. Yeah, man. I I, I remember I, I went to New York a few times and stayed with some friends who were living in Manhattan on the Lower East Side, but there were five of them in in, in one apartment. Jeez, <laughs> were the, were the rooms separated by just curtains? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, just makeshift rooms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two guys slept on the couch. <laughs> the same couch? Yeah. It was, a, it, was a fold out. it was a foldout. Oh, it was a foldout. It was a foldout. Two guys sharing. I wonder what paying rent to sleep on a couch. I mean, that's got to be the rough. rent is insane in 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 Manhattan. 
So they had five guys living in one apartment, and it wasn't even a big apartment. It was like a one bedroom. You, no, five guys in a one bedroom. Yeah, <sighs> that's the price you pay for living in Manhattan if you don't have a ton of money. Yeah, I could. I, I and then we stayed there. Two of my, stay- me and a, and a friend stayed there. We slept on the floor. Must have been real intimate. You, know? <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> Another friend of mine lived in Manhattan. The bathtub was in the middle of the kitchen. Stop it! I'm not. I'm not kidding. So, so a guy'd be in there just buck naked, taking a bath. Yeah, while Guy's somebody's like, making some rice aroni. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you, can you hand me a beer? Just yeah, reach. Can, can, <laughs> <laughs> bathtub middle of the uh, middle of the kitchen. At least you know there's uh, when you have that lack of boundaries, you get to be real good friends. Real good friends. Real tight. Yeah. It was amazing that they let us stay there. Two more guys, seven guys sleeping in a one bedroom. That's probably a, a sitcom right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Forget the Golden Girls. <laughs> it's the Dirty Boys. Exactly right. The Smelly Boys. <laughs> All right. Uh, Danny Neal is going to join us. He's a co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers, and uh, we're going to talk about his adventures chasing storms and some weather-related stuff, too. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Let's get to the news. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here till 4. Regular Friday features straight out of context. Nick D Show spies you big dummy and fly jams Friday. All coming up after 3. Our phone number is 312-981-7200 on the Team Hochberg phone line. And we're going to talk about weird uh, real weather events coming up a little bit later and, uh, and horoscopes. Do you read you read your horoscope? You might be reading it wrong. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. My next guest is the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. And you can check out IllinoisStormChasers.com. His name is Danny Neal. Um, and uh, the Storm Chasers were formed in 2015. We'll hear all about that, talk about that, and some of the other adventures that uh, Danny's been on. Hey, Danny, how you doing? Hey, Nick. Good. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you. So you you and Adam Lucio? Correct. Uh, you, you guys uh, formed the Illinois Storm Chasers in 2015. How'd that happen? So back in 2011, we'll backtrack just a little bit. In 2011, I started a Facebook page just for friends and family. Um, it was directly after the Joplin tornado hit. I believe that was May 22nd of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember that tornado, it killed about 160 people in that city. Um, to me, that was outrageous that that loss of life could occur during the technological age that we're in. Yeah. So I, I was kind of inspired by that event to create a social media platform where people who have access to Facebook, Twitter, anything, and a smartphone nowadays could just, you know, one click of their phone, find a weather report that they can understand. So I tried that out for a little bit, and it was only meant for friends and family right off the bat, but it it spread like wildfire throughout the state. And then uh, once we got to 2015, I've known Adam for several years before we partnered in this relationship, but 
Uh, him and I both decided to start an official business known as Illinois Storm Chasers that provides uh, weather forecasts, breaking down other people's weather forecasts as well to make it easier to understand, and just create a platform that you can get the latest information um, without having to search various channels that you may not know even exist. Oh, that's great. Uh, and it's not just uh, you know storms that you talk about. I mean, you talk about all weather. You just have weather forecasts. You want to have uh, uh, you know great weather forecasts. Correct. Yeah. I mean, our our name is a little bit deceiving when people think of storm chasers. They think of the guys who go out and chase tornadoes. And yeah, we do do that. But generally, um, on a day to day basis, we'll put out a weather forecast if the weather is pretty tranquil. We'll put out maybe one a day just to say, hey, you know, it's going to be 80 and sunny today, that kind of thing. Yeah. But as more inclement weather keeps coming into the picture, we keep producing more and more updates, generally maybe once every six hours um, on days before an event. And then the day of an event of, like, either a snowstorm, severe weather, um, you know, flooding rain, you know, we are live. I go live in my home office and broadcast live with my radar software and mm-hmm. i'm in constant contact with the national weather service um through a chat program so i'm able to feed them reports they're able to get reports um from all over the state to be able to feed in and then to relate to everybody kind of like a, a news broadcast but just from my home <laughs> yeah i guess you're going to be busy this weekend a little bit there's a lot <laughs> to talk about this weekend um if it's not going to be hot it's going to storm um, so it's going to be either or. Places yeah. down south in central Illinois, I can probably rule out the chance for any appreciable precipitation. We're probably talking highs in the mid-90s, both Saturday and Sunday, with heat index values in the mid-100s. So certainly dangerous heat to contend with down there. Yeah, A wild card is north of I-80 here in northern Illinois. Um, Thunderstorms are expected to develop across Minnesota and Wisconsin both Saturday and Sunday. And as they move towards northern Illinois, they're going to throw off cloud debris, which will temper the heat a little bit. Um, Maybe not highs in the mid-90s here, but close to 90 and still dangerous heat index values on Saturday. Yeah. But Sunday, we're looking maybe a little bit um, less of a heat threat and more of a severe weather threat. Okay. All right. Well, we we've got some details already. I'm I'm just not leaving my apartment this weekend until I have to come to work on Sunday night. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I'm just not going out. Um. So what what is it? What is it about weather that you that you, that fascinated you so much that you would be in in this uh, field? It actually is a crazy story. I was terrified of storms and basically all weather but sunny weather up until I was about ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um. When I was three years old, I lived on the south side of Chicago in one of the suburbs, but I wasn't terribly far away from Plainfield. And oh, if people, sure. If yeah. people remember that, yeah. 1990, August 28th, um, an F5 tornado rolled through Plainfield, um, decimated basically the center of town and killed a bunch of people. As a three-year-old, I thought every time it got cloudy and storm now, that was what was going to happen. Oh, man. So... Through countless hours and perseverance from my teachers, my grandparents, my parents, of just trying to get me over this fear of basically the life. And, you know, like, you know, if it's windy outside, it could be clear outside, but wind to me correlated to a tornado. I see. A cloud going over the sun correlated to a tornado. 
So it, it took a lot of hard work and um, patience with me where I was able to finally start to learn about the weather. Yeah. I mean, ever since second grade, every single book report I had now through high school was, you know, weather, 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 tornadoes. Yeah. I kind of blame them for creating the beast that I am today. <laughs> now I just eat, sleep, and breathe weather and severe weather. But, yeah. you know, I always felt like you feared the unknown, and that's why I was so afraid of it, because I just didn't know anything about it. Right. Now we're able to diagnose it, and now I'm able to go out there and actually chase it. Right. You know, find some sort of, as ironic to say, some beauty in Mother Nature yeah. and some of the stuff that, you know, could potentially hurt and kill people. Right. Danny, hang on. Sure. All right. Uh, Danny Neal is with us. Uh, he is the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers, which is uh, not just a storm chasing website, but also a, 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 a weather forecast website as well. Uh, and if you uh, have any comments or questions, it's 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200 on 720 WGN. Good morning. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio. It's a Friday morning, so all the regular Friday features will be happening after 3. Um, right now we're talking with Danny Neal. He's the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. Check out IllinoisStormChasers.com. And, uh, all right, Danny, um, what does one study when they're getting into meteorology? A lot of science and a lot of math, unfortunately. Oh, really? Don't like it. Nope. Yeah, who would have thought? But um, a lot of complex fractions. But what's kind of interesting about the meteorological profession is more computer coding these days. Mm. There's a lot more in terms of IT work and a lot of coding and um, software production and graphic production that go into meteorology these days because um, these computers that we use to get our model data from are becoming more and more advanced. Um, we're really trying to keep up with it uh, from the human level. So there's a lot of things that go into weather forecasting, especially at the National Weather Service, when you have to create a forecast, and then you're creating the graphics to distribute to the general population. Wow. Okay. So I, that's that, I, I would never have thought that that math would be such a big <laughs> a big a big part of the equation. Yeah, you kind of joke around when you um, look. You know, people in the weather community that when regular people look at the sky, they see clouds. But when meteorologists look at the sky, they see numbers. Oh, wow. You talked about the, the, the weather community. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a very complex community. Um, whether it's storm chasers on the amateur level, all the way up to professionals that go out there for TV stations out in the plains, or work broadcast meteorology jobs, uh, news stations, to government sector meteorologists who are the National Weather Service, to even private sector meteorologists like AccuWeather and all these companies out there that do private forecastings for corporations, the airports, whatever. It's a very diverse community. Um, the one that we're most familiar with is the local weather community here in the Chicagoland area. I'm very close friends with all of the National Weather Service employees. I spent two years 
um, at the office day in and day out, learning the ins and out of weather forecasting back in 2015 and 2016. So I kind of have a background of what goes on uh, when, you know, a tornado warning or a severe thunderstorm warning is issued for Cook County or anything like that. It's kind of cool to see the behind the scenes on what goes into that. Mm -hmm. But the most generalized population of the weather community around here is just storm chasers, people that just like to go out and see storms. Uh, The definition of a storm chaser is basically anybody that leaves their house with the intent to go find a storm. Um, anybody can storm chase. Not everybody should storm chase, but anybody can do it. You don't necessarily have to go to college and get a degree in storm chasing. Um, but it's cautioned very highly that you know what you're doing. You may tag along with somebody that knows what they're doing and learn the ins and out of weather because you don't want to find yourself in a dangerous situation um, that, you know, it can affect your life. Yeah, of course. Of course. Tell me a little bit about how the uh, NWS works. So periodically through any given shift, I believe it's eight to ten hour shifts, uh, just a variety of different forecast products come out from area forecast discussions. Um, on slow weather days, it's you know forecasting five to seven days ahead. Uh, doing the airport forecasts for O'Hare, Midway, or even Rockford airports. Uh, the marine forecasts on Lake Michigan. You know, Chicago's kind of a cornucopia of different hazards out there that need to be forecasted for. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when severe weather happens, you know, the anticipation of the event, getting staffing to the office, having people basically set up in sector, sectors, I should say, um, you know, monitoring each certain area of the county warning area because just Chicago County warning area basically extends from Waukegan out to Rockford down to LaSalle and then over into Northwest Indiana. So it's a pretty wide area. Um, and any given storm event, there could be a widespread um, event of storms and, you know, you need more than one forecaster to keep their eyes on the radar because any little nuance may necessitate a, you know, tornado warning, a severe thunderstorm warning, flash flood warning, so it's a well-oiled machine when I was there those two years um, trying to learn, and I did learn a lot. And then, unfortunately, I've seen the aftermath of some powerful tornadoes that moved through the area. I was able to be on their storm survey teams going out there and assessing the actual ratings when they say, you know, it was an EF2, an EF3. Right. I was able to go out there and assist them with that and, you know, just hearing people's stories and, hearing how lucky some people were to not know what's coming and vice versa, hearing the, you know, the winds, as we call it, when people got the warning with 20 minutes in advance and were in shelter and were perfectly safe. So it's an eye-opening experience all yeah. the way around. I bet. And uh, now how, how do you uh, collaborate with, uh, with them? Like when you're tracking a storm, how do you collaborate with uh, the uh, N- uh, NWS or local news stations or anything like that? Sure. So before... When I was at the office, I would get reports directly sent to me at the office, either via phone call or social media. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we branched off, and now we have Illinois Storm Chasers. Um, We're together in a chat room in a program called NWS Chat. Um, You know, there's all NWS um, forecast office across the country in this program, but you can divide it up into what region you want to be in the chat room. So when severe weather happens, local media, 
law enforcement, fire departments, emergency managers, and the weather service all collaborate in one chat and pass the information along to one another. Um, the purpose for the chat is for the NWS to communicate to all the rest of us who have the ability to disseminate the information um, to get it out as quickly as possible. This would be well before your weather radio would even go off. Um, there's been plenty of times where the NWS has been saying they are tracking a storm heading for Chicago that may produce a tornado in, you know, the next 30 minutes. It's kind of getting everyone on guard, but, you know, the people that are out there listening won't know that. You don't want to really incite panic, but you want to get local media involved and get the messaging ready in case they do pull the trigger. So it's a really good teamwork, collaborative effort to try to be um, as on top of the weather as possible. And that's when people go out there and report the severe weather to us or the National Weather Service, it helps. Because the radar can only seem so much. Mm. You need that ground confirmation, whether from weather spotters, storm chasers, or just the general public saying, hey, it's hailing at my house. Any of that information is extremely crucial. Wow. All right. So it's, it sounds like a complicated, it's, it sounds like there's a lot of people involved in this to, to, to keep us uh, informed, correct? Correct. I mean, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. You may only get that alert to your radio or, yeah, like your weather radio or your cell phone, but there's probably tens, if not hundreds of people behind the scenes that are collaborating to get that to you. Yeah. Well, we have a uh, uh, we get updates from the NWS uh, whenever there's a, any kind of a, a, a warning, you know, or or a watch or any of that kind of stuff, and it and it comes right directly uh, into the studio here. We hear a, we hear like a, a beep beep beep, and then you know you you read it on the, on the uh, there's a there's like a LED thing in here in the studio, and, and we get the the alerts all the time when whenever there's any kind of severe weather of any kind. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a, it, it's very informative, keeps you informed, you know, and it it happens live, and then I can just read it right on the air, and and we have you know a, a, a completely new and accurate uh, weather forecast or warning or you know that kind of thing. Yep, I mean it's amazing when you think about even twenty years ago how we advanced in technology. Uh, this sort of thing didn't exist. You couldn't get that chat room together. You couldn't get that collaboration. It's basically phone calls to the office, back and forth. You know, yeah. hundred phone calls. Yeah, yeah. But now, but 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 technology has really changed. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, so many businesses and 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 places in life, uh, life has changed because of technology. And this sounds like it really has helped. You know, what you do. Absolutely. I mean, there are programs coming out um, down in Norman, Oklahoma, at the University of Oklahoma. That's kind of the mecca for weather, or nerds, as we call it. Um, but there's so much research and scientific data being processed down there that in the next 10 to 15 years, they want to make it possible to be able to tornado warn a storm before the storm even developed, a few hours before the storm is even supposed to develop. Wow. Just trying to think, like, wrap your head around that. Yeah. Like, you were under a tornado warning three hours before the storm even developed. To get to that point would save so many lives. Um, it's such a tall task, and I'm so optimistic that it can happen. Yeah. But when you think about it, 20 years ago, you wouldn't even think you could get to the point you're at right now. So anything is possible, and that's what we keep working towards. Yeah, that's great stuff. All right, Danny, hold on, okay? Yeah, no problem. Uh, Danny Neal is the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. You can check out IllinoisStormChasers.com.
Uh, he's been he's chased some tornadoes and stuff. We're going to talk about that experience as well and any other weather-related issues. It's going to be a hot weekend uh, uh, this time, and uh, so just stay cool, everybody. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us with any weather-related questions or comments uh, or tornadoes. If you have ever been through a tornado, 312-981-7200. Um, we'll talk more with Danny Neal right here on 720 WGN. Sunshine, baby, whenever you smile, but I call you stormy today. I see what you did there. <laughs> Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the uh, Skyline studio here until uh, 4 o'clock. It's Friday. That means the regular Friday features will begin after 3 o'clock. We got some classic Johnny Carson, which we play Every morning at uh, 2.30, and uh, we're going to play my favorite, Karnak the Magnificent from 1975. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. My guest is Danny Neal. He's the co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. IllinoisStormChasers.com is the website. And it's not just about storm chasing. We are going to get to that, but it's about weather uh, and uh, weather forecasts and uh, and keeping an eye on things uh, no matter what the weather situation is. Uh, Danny, thanks for being here, man. I uh, appreciate it, and it's been fun. Yeah, uh, outstanding. Uh, we do have someone who is just calling in here, Sean on WGN. Go ahead, Sean. How you doing, Nick? Love your show. Thank you. Yeah, you you guys remember that uh, tornado that hit Oswego in the um, in the mid nineties? You remember that it ripped apart Oswego? Oswego. Uh, anyway, I grew up. Yeah, Oswego. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Danny. 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 Danny, Eight miles from. Okay, Sean. Hang on for. Sean, hang on for a second. Danny, can you comment on the Oswego tornado? I was just wondering, was it the same one that might have hit Plainfield? I think so. So that was the same tornado, then. Yeah. Yeah, I grew. I I grew up like eight miles from uh, the border of Oswego, and I remember that so vividly. We, uh, We, you know, the tornado. It looked like it was. You know, you could see it from where we were. And uh, we thought we thought the the roof was coming down. Next thing you know, it sounded like like hail or something hitting the roof. It ended up being movies. There was like eighty to a hundred movies that hit that hit our house and yard. That you know that flew through. They, they like ripped apart a movie store or whatever. A video store. <laughs> I still have those videos today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just kept them as a keepsake. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's That's pretty, pretty funny. funny. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it was horrible, horrible tornado. Yeah. All right. Sean, thanks, buddy. You stay safe out there, Danny. Uh, okay, man. Take care. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. That's pretty funny, Danny. You got his, you got himself a whole movie collection. I mean, there's been some random things that fallen out of the sky. Um, there's been checks that have been found 200 miles away from, you know, their parents' location because of tornadoes. So it's not uncommon to have random debris falling out ahead of the tornado but yeah it's the first time i've ever heard of uh you know i'm basically a video store landing in this guy's backyard yeah yeah but it's po- i mean obviously anything is possible at this point right danny correct yeah have you what are some of the weirder things weirder stories that you've heard about things that have that uh, have flown through the sky um obviously with twister you know everyone thinks they're going to see cows floating through the sky <laughs> i'm sure that happened i've never witnessed it myself yeah but, um what i have witnessed before is a tornado has gone across a lake before and it started raining small fish and frogs oh wow 
And the cartel itself is just one giant basic low-pressure system or a vacuum. And, you know, whatever it, you know, picks up, it's going to carry up into the sky with it. Yeah. but you frogs, know, frogs and fish—that's like Armageddon stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, like you, you have to like rub your eyes and do a double take. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's scary, man. Oh yeah. boy, here's uh, Tom on WGN. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Thank, thank morning. you for uh, getting me on. I have a question for you. Uh, nowadays, the weather forecasters always show when they're showing the radar they're in a severe storm. Time to look for this little hook. And they say right where that hook is is where the tornado is. How true is that? And that was the chasers look for? Very much so. So the hook echo itself, um, the radar display itself, I should say, is the representation of the water droplets, which are in the atmosphere. So the brighter the radar echoes, the more water droplets. So that could mean more hail, more heavy rain. So when you see that hook echo, that means all the water droplets are basically revolving around a center point. Mm. That is dead giveaway of rotation within the storm. Uh, where the tornado would form is generally on the north side of the hook or the basically at the point of the hook. Um, the storms are made up of updrafts and downdrafts. The downdraft is basically what you see on radar. You don't see the updraft because there's no precipitation falling there, so it's not visible on radar. But at that intersection of the updraft and the downdraft are where tornadoes are likely to form. So, like I said, once that downdraft gets wrapped around the updraft, it creates that hook-like feature and is a dead giveaway to all radar operators that this storm is rotating. Not every hook echo is going to produce a tornado, but every hook echo that you see does mean the storm has rotation. Wow. All right, there you go, Tom. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, yeah, that's fascinating stuff, Danny. Hey, what happens when weather surprises you, Danny? Like, let's say you know you you got a forecast and it, and then and it just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, you there's a you've studied everything this time. You, you're going to make the prediction, and then the weather completely like uh, fools you. Oh, I, I keep a bag of hate mail next to me. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, as much as we can get the weather right, we can equally get the weather wrong, even more so. Yeah. It, still a very, very infant stage of weather forecasting. We know a lot more than we did 50 years ago, and I'm sure we're going to know a lot more than we will 50 years now. But we're still trying to pinpoint temperatures. We're still trying to pinpoint precipitation. But like I said, we keep slowly progressing as a collaborative effort that, you know, 50 years ago, you a three-day forecast was kind of out there. It was kind of vogue. Yeah. Like, oh, you think you can predict the weather three days in advance? Yeah. And now we're in a stage where people are putting out, you know, 10 to 15-day forecasts. Right. There's some private weather companies out there that are even doing 30-day forecasts now. So, obviously, variability changes, but as the weather models and, the, like I said in the beginning, the computer data that is being imported uh, with all the different um, software around the country that take weather information and just, you know, just collect it like a sponge and then disseminate it, we're going to get to a point where weather is going to become very predictable, but we're just not there yet. Yeah. So it's it's still a very, I hate to say, you know, you, you blindfold and throw a dart at the board because it's not like that, but. You know, sometimes when you blow a forecast, especially in the winter time, where 
you're calling for four to six inches of snow and you get a dusting, you know, kind of makes people question how good you really are. But it also humbles us as forecasters to say we still have a long way to go. Yeah. 30-day forecast. Wow. Yep. Uh, how does how does one do a 30-day forecast? Believe it or not, some of the weather models go out there for up to six months. Whoa. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of variability. And you can tell that if you if you looked at the weather models from every run, one run to the next, they usually come out every six hours, uh, especially in the wintertime. Some of the weather models out there are notorious for burying Chicago in snow. Right. Seven days in advance, you see these maps posted, you know, on social media or wherever. And um, and it's showing Chicago at 30 to 40 inches of snow. And then here comes the day of when we get two inches. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the weather models out there can go, as I said, up to six months in advance just to get a generalized pattern. If, If you're not taking it just as kind of, at face value, saying, okay, it could be warm six months from now, then, you know, you're not really doing your due diligence as a forecaster. You cannot be specific at that point. Right, right. But 30 days out, temperatures, you can play the climatology. In summertime, you can probably predict mid-80s in Chicago in July, 30 days from now. Yeah. But to be specific and say it's going to be 87 on August 10th, you know, that's kind of a little bit out there you may be right but you're probably wrong mm-hmm. okay you know it must be it must be fun to do what you do in this city because we get every kind of weather here yeah on any given day too yeah <laughs> i mean there's been times right in the springtime where i live south of chicago down by kankakee okay so okay in chicago when it'd be 39 degrees and you know wind off the lake and fog rolling in It'll be 65 down here in sunny, or sunny, and we're, what, 40 miles apart? Yeah. So, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I'm getting thunderstorms and the north side's getting snow. Yeah, it's, so, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's crazy. It is, it is absolutely crazy. Is there a certain type of weather that you, that you like? I mean, obviously, you, you enjoy the storm chasing, and we want to get into that in a yeah. little bit uh, and, and take us through what that's like. But do, do, is there a certain type of weather that you like more than others? I've been drawn to severe weather, whether it's severe thunderstorms or tornadoes, more than I am snow. I know I live in Chicago, but I, I really don't like snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm not a fan. As a kid, I loved it until I had to shovel it for the first time. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm over snow. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's also the most challenging to forecast. I like to think that myself and my team at Illinois Storm Chasers were pretty decent at getting severe weather down. Snowfall forecast, even this last this last winter, we didn't do so well on that, and I'll be the first to admit it. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot to learn on that aspect of thing. It's so challenging. You know, one degree in the atmosphere can make the difference between sleet, freezing rain, or snow. Yeah. And as much as I like severe weather and I like tornadoes, I think the most fun is trying to forecast snow and get it right because it feels really good when you get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so everybody on the team is like, yeah! Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay, Danny, hang on, okay? Absolutely. All right, we got to get to – I want to go through what it's like to to do a storm chase. I freak out during storms. I still do. I'm in my 50s, and I still like, ooh. 
So, uh, it's Nick DeGilio and 720 WGN. If you want to jump in here, well, you got a weather-related question. Summer wind mm-hmm. came blowing in from across yep. the sea. Pope of Greenwich Village every time I hear this. <laughs> is the phone number if you would like to join us. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Friday morning, which means all the regular Friday features will be coming up after 3 o'clock. Straight out of context, Nick D. Show Spies, You Big Dummy, and Fly Jams Friday. And uh, the news is next uh, from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. My guest right now is Danny Neal. He is the uh, co-founder of Illinois Storm Chasers. Check out IllinoisStormChasers.com. And uh, they don't just concentrate uh, strictly on storm chasing. They do all kinds of things uh, weather-related and try to do the most accurate weather forecasts and, and uh, that you can imagine. Uh, and uh, Danny, uh, welcome back, Danny. Are you there, Danny? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. okay, okay. Just wanted to make sure you were there. Uh, let's see. We have another call here from uh, Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. What's up? Yeah. Um, my comment is for Danny. Um, Danny, we were, I don't know how old I maybe it was about 10. And we were at Simonese, which is the Bob Evans on 14 in Crystal Lake, and jumped over the, um, the uh, restaurant and wiped out the mall next to it. And then my grandma, we went out to my grandma's house, and there was a two-by-four with a piece of straw right next to it. And it was, the velocity just put it right through the wall. <laughs> yeah, that, it, that, wow. that, that, that'll happen. I mean, have, what are some of the other things? Thanks, Rich. Uh, Danny, what are some of the other crazy things that have happened during storms that you've, that you've heard about that, that people are telling you? Uh, debris. I mean, just like Rich said, you know, a two-by-four through... You know, a, a structure. There's been a photo floating around that showed a drinking straw that was lodged into a tree. Like, Whoa. literally lodged into a tree. Whoa! <laughs> um, there's a photo from the Joplin tornado floating around where you see a two-by-four that's sticking straight through, like, a parking block. Oh, man. I mean, these tornadoes, these strong tornadoes, they mean business. I yeah, mean, yeah. The blockies within them, debris is moving 200-plus miles an hour, even the smallest object. You know, it's like a toothpick going through a stick of butter. I mean, it's it's nothing to take lightly when you're under a tornado warning. People yeah. just need to realize that. You know, a warning nine times out of ten, yeah, maybe you won't see anything, but you really want to take a chance on that tenth time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it, it must be, you know, because you've, you've done some storm chasing, tornado chasing, and things like that. It's got to be a humbling experience, right, Danny, just to see the, the you know, the force of the weather and the mother nature and things like that? Yeah, it really is. That's the perfect word for it is humbling. Um, I've kind of gone through three phases in my storm chasing, quote-unquote, career. Uh, the first phase was just getting over my fear to understand it. Yeah. I uh, credit my father for that. Uh, he wasn't a storm chaser he didn't i mean he probably had a fascination with storms but as i said growing up i was terrified so whether my family or not liked storms or weather they did now 
So they wanted to learn with me. And one day my father basically just said, let's get in the car. And, you know, it wasn't a very bad storm or anything like that. I was terrified. Yeah. You know, the sky got dark. We didn't see a tornado, but I was terrified. But it just being out there and seeing, like, hey, I'm out there in this. Nothing happened to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe not all storms are going to be a playing field. So for the first couple of years, you know, it was just trying to get over that fear, trying to understand what I'm looking at, trying to recognize storm structure, et cetera. Yeah. And then the middle years, you know, in my early 20s, you know, I just tried to go out and see as many tornadoes as I possibly could. I mean, I would go 10,000 miles a year anywhere from Alabama to North Dakota and Wyoming over to Ohio. Just, you know, I didn't have kids. I had a flexible job at the time. I was able to take, you know, plenty of time off between April, May, and June just to go out there and try to see as many tornadoes as I could. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't until that devastating year of 2011 where I started, you know, maturing a little bit. I was in the late 20s, and I'm just thinking, like, there's got to be a little bit more to this. Right. You know, storm chasing as a whole is a very selfish desire. You, you, People go out there just to see and feel the power of nature. I'm the type of person that always wants to try to give something back, try to help the next guy along. And that's when my third phase came in where now I want to go out and chase, but I also want to report to the weather service. I want to do a live stream while I'm out there to show people where it's at, where it's going to go. I used to be obsessed with getting, you know, that perfect shot on my camera, you know, the perfect video to post on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. And I, now I don't even pick up my phone to take photos anymore. I'm usually just reporting to the weather service or, you know, calling 911 or something like that. So, yeah. you know, it's just, just the way I have evolved. And some people, you know, they go out for their own reasons, but, you know, that's, that's kind of how I evolved in storm chasing. Yeah. Well, tell me about your, your, your team. What are some of the roles that people play? So my co-founder, um, Adam Lucio, he actually, I don't know if you guys have heard, the, I'm sure you have, the Discovery Channel show, Tornado, um, what was Storm Chasers? Yeah, sorry. Storm Chasers, yeah. But the TIV that Sean Casey drove, he was actually the backup driver for that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I, I, he never got into a tornado himself, but there was about, five or six different chases that he went out and they got close, but never got in it. But he always has some fun stories to tell about that. We'll have to get him on one time to discuss that. But um, with the rest of the team, I have Nick, I have Joe, I have Matt, and I have Billy from all over the state. They're forecasters and meteorologists that, you know, provide daily content. As we said, they will go out themselves and report live from the field when storms are moving through. And, you know, they're always on social media just answering questions, you know, because we have thousands of people that ask questions during events, and we're only just one person. If I'm trying to do live stuff on the air, I can't be answering questions. Right. It's very very, um, helpful to have them around. But, like I said, we all have duties that we more or less split up at the beginning of an event. You know, someone posting warnings, someone taking reports, somebody with the weather service, that kind of thing. So it's it's pretty fluid, and you know it works well. That's great. That's great. Staying informative for uh, for people. Illinois Storm Absolutely. Chasers. dot com. Um, and at, what was the worst storm that you've ever been through? Um, the worst one I've ever been through. That almost, you know, had a pretty bad impact on me was uh, 
in May of 2010 in South Dakota. Um, it was during my quote unquote prime of just wanting to see every tornado that ever formed yeah, in the yeah. history of the world. Yeah. But uh, we were out in South Dakota that day, ended up on a storm that produced 13 or 14 different tornadoes. Oof. But one of the last few, we were actually caught. We, we had um, a program, Streets and Trips, that we used. Um, out there in South Dakota, that's not really that accurate. And we found out the hard way. We went down a farm road that actually got plowed over by a farmer. Oh. So there was a bunch of green wheat where the road once was. Oh, man. Almost out of a horror movie. I couldn't, like, if I describe this to you, you think I made it up. But there was a tornado on the north side of the road and on the south side of the road coming at us. And we had to bail through a farmer's field. Wow. 13 vehicles bailing into a farmer's field. That when we crested a hill, there was a giant lake on the other side. Oh, so we man. all rode it out in our cars in this farm field, a quarter mile from where the road was. Ended up stranded there for about 16 hours. Had to get pulled out by a tractor and some very angry farmers and police individuals. Oh, man. That sounds so, terrifying, man. It was terrifying. It was lesson learned. But now when I think about it, it's like, that was cool. <laughs> hey, let me ask you. You mentioned the movie Twister. How much fun is it for you to watch that? It's fun for entertainment purposes. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but knowing what I know about the weather, it's like, that's not accurate. Yeah, that's not accurate. of course. My wife can't watch it with me because it's just like, that's not like that. That's <laughs> like, like, would you just shut up and watch the movie? <laughs> you know what? I'm not even a meteorologist and I don't study weather, but even I know Twister's not accurate. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the craziest thing that I always tell people the so next time you watch Twister, listen to the tornadoes because they literally took growling animals yep. to zoo, yep. and that's the way you you hear them. Yeah, I just I like it. My favorite part is my favorite part because I, I love Bill Paxton, uh, and I, yeah. I love that movie. I think that movie's very entertaining. It, it, very entertaining. It's it's fun. Um, but Bill Paxton, my favorite moment in the movie is when he's like kind of crouching down in the road and he's looking at the sky and he goes, "She's turning green." <laughs> that's, that's my favorite line. <laughs> I, I think my favorite line is another Bill Paxton line, but when he looks and says, it's already here. And I always turn to my family when I'm like, is it going to storm? I turn to them and try to give that look. <laughs> uh, Danny, here's a little trivia question. Do you remember what movie's playing at the drive-in that gets re- demolished? Oh, is it The Shining? Yes. Very good. Very good. Awesome. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you this before we let you go. First of all, it's been so much fun talking to you, man, and informative, and I really love what you do. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, IllinoisStormChasers.com. But I got to ask you, you a Tom Skilling fan? Love Tom Skilling. He's actually my inspiration. Yeah. Um, my father, my grandfather, real quick, my grandfather worked for the Tribune as a photographer oh. for 38 years. Wow. Okay. Um, so he used to be in the Tribune building all the time. Yep. Remember, I was terrified of storms. So my grandfather one day bumps into Tom Skilling and says, hey, my grandson is really afraid of storms. Um, is there any advice you can give him? He went out of his way to get a picture of himself, autograph it, with a very inspirational message that I still have hanging in my office right now, just to, pers- or just to push me to do whatever I want with the weather. Yeah. And like I said, that, from that-, that day on, you know, meeting him a couple of times back, you yeah. know, younger. Yeah. I haven't seen him in quite a while, but, you know, just 
I'm a huge Tom Skilling. Yeah, fan. well, he—that's he, the kind of guy he is, man. That's the kind of that's exactly the kind of guy that Tom Skilling is. What you see on TV is really him. He's that guy, um, and he's just—he's fantastic. And I think he's great at what he does. I love—I I think his forecasts are fascinating. So, oh yeah, I mean, it's an event. He's a seven-minute forecast guy. And yeah, you're going to learn about the weather. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Danny, man, real pleasure talking to you. Uh, it was it was so much fun. Check out IllinoisStormChasers.com uh, and uh, have a great weather year. Thank you. Yep. Feel free to contact me and I'll be around. Okay, buddy. Take care. Thank you. You too. All right. Danny Neal, everybody, uh, co-founder of uh, Storm Chaser, Illinois Storm Chasers. Boy, what a great, what a, what a crazy job to have and exciting and weird. So uh, we are going to talk about some uh, very weird real weather events. Uh, that's coming up after the news. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. And we're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place on the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great group, and then the one, the only Bob Surratt at 5 with your morning drive. 312-981-7200, that's the phone number, uh, the Team Hockberg phone line. We'd love to hear from you. Have you ever been in any weird, crazy weather situations? You know, like, have you ever been in a tornado? Have, uh, uh, you know, so what, are, what are some of the craziest weather situations that you've ever been through? That's what we're talking about. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We were just talking with um, Danny Neal from the Illinois Storm Chasers. And, uh, you know, talking about, obviously talking about um, uh, storms and tornadoes and things like that. And uh, we would love to hear from you if you've ever been through some crazy weather experience. Describe it to us. 312-981-7200. Hey, coming up at uh, 2.30, we go to uh, the Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV, and we always play some classic Carson comedy. Tonight, my favorite from 1975, Karnak the Magnificent. (laughs) <laughs> always hilarious so uh crazy weather situations now here i've got uh from mental floss uh five weird but real weather events um so these are just weird but real weather events we're going to talk a- about that and we want to hear from you have you ever been through some really crazy weather uh, uh, events. 312-981-7200. Here's what it says. We don't remember most of the weather we experience on a daily basis. Even hardcore weather geeks are hard-pressed to recall many events beyond what reporters would cover on the news. But there are some atmospheric tantrums that are memorable because of how bizarre they are. Here are some true yet bizarre weather phenomena that you'd sure to remember if you were ever to experience them firsthand. Now, the first one here that they mentioned we talked about um, uh, r- rains of frogs and fish, the cause being tornadoes. Tornadoes do some weird things, as we were just discussing. A tornado can destroy one house while leaving the house next door seemingly untouched. They can grow miles wide uh, or last for just a couple of seconds. But one of the weirdest things about tornadoes is that they can actually make it rain aquatic creatures. If a tornado passes over a body of water like a lake, a river, or a pond, the extreme suction can lift fish and frogs right out of the water. 
what goes up must come down, and sometimes there are people in the way. Uh, sometimes there are people in the way to tell the story. Uh, after the skies clear out, the Library of Congress reports that fish fell on a town in Louisiana back in 1947 after a rambunctious storm. Halfway around the world, a tornado caused thousands of frogs to rain from the sky on a town in Serbia in 2005. That's pretty creepy and very Magnolia-like. <laughs> uh, we got some people who are calling in. We're talking about some of the craziest uh, craziest weather situations that you've ever been through. Could you imagine that? Thousands of frogs falling from the sky. Oh, man. That only happens in the last half hour of my favorite movie. <laughs> you know, I almost, bought a ha- I almost bought a condo on the street called Magnolia. Yeah? So I would have had to frog proof yeah the whole thing it was exactly right <laughs> you ever you ever experienced a tornado yeah uh one we my my folks and i went camping and we were in a tent and it, the weather got really bad i think it was in indiana and we got in the car we went into the car and we stayed in the car and it passed right over us Whew. yeah yeah it was it was really scary because it got i mean it was like at five o'clock in the in the evening and it got pitch black like, I mean, it was dark. Yeah. Freaky. Pretty freaky. What about you? You ever? Yeah, there was a, I actually had a pair, much like uh, Danny, I had a paralyzing fear of weather. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a tornado come right by our house, uh, probably within two miles. In Crystal Lake. In Crystal Lake, which is famous for the Palm Sunday tornado. Well, no, yeah. I mean, that you get you get some weather in Crystal Lake. You get some weird stuff. Yeah. Some weird microbursts. Yeah, absolutely. And things like that. Yeah. But um, it was my, you know, being woken up in the middle of the night. Couldn't have been older than, I don't know, maybe five, five years old. Yeah. And uh, it was tough because the, the uh, five and then the next year, what comes out? Twister, yeah, <laughs> or the, the you know it's one of those things. Twister was a big movie right around that time, right? Um, so I was just like, it was really freaky. It was really really freaky, yeah. and I had a debilitating fear of weather. Saw the trailer for the day after tomorrow in theaters, and uh, pan- had a panic attack in a theater. The, hell, the day after tomorrow is it the big disaster movie like with the waves and it gets cold and everything? Yeah, like isn't that. that isn't that where Dennis Quaid is running from cold? Yeah. And uh, what a stupid that. movie. I was I had a pan, I had a panic attack. I had to get medical attention because I had a panic attack in the theater. Wow! Because but, just because of the trailer. Yeah, and because there's tornadoes going through the Hollywood Hills and everything yeah. like that. Had a panic attack. Wow! I got over it. Well, <laughs> <Eventually>. clearly, clearly, <laughs> but still. All right. Here's Robert on WGN. Hey, Robert. Yeah, uh, Nick. I'm sure you've been through this too. Uh, the I've been through it. The uh, the early 90s, we were down in Florida, went through a hurricane, and then I've been through two tornadoes. And in my opinion, the scariest thing is when everything turns yellow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very frightening. I mean, the home that I live in right now used to be a bomb shelter. Okay. And my, my neighbors around me are like, why don't you tear it down and build a new one? And I go, it's a bomb shelter. Nothing can get to my basement. Because once you've been through a tornado... Literally, I don't understand why people rebuild in the same areas. That's the question I was going to ask your guest. Mm-hmm. Does he advise builders? Because remember, everybody, there's a huge community in Tornado Alley. That would be called Plainfield. Because in your lifetime and in mine, a massive tornado went through there and just... Yeah, we, we've talked... Horrific damage, and now there's just a, a massive, huge community out there, and I don't... 
I, I was going to ask why. Why would you build in an area where you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to hit again. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just a matter of rolling the dice, and yeah. that's what that's that's one of my scary questions I wanted to ask. Yeah. Anyhow, fantastic right. show. Nick. All right, thanks, Appreciate Robert. Always. All right, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. Let's take a uh, break, and we'll come back and talk about some more weird but real weather events. And if you've ever been through a crazy weather event, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Inside a man, you don't know what he wants. All right. Hey, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here until uh, 4 o'clock. 3 o'clock, all the regular Friday features will begin. And uh, we would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. We're talking about weird but real weather events. Um, have you ever been through a very strange weather event or a tornado or anything like that? And what was it like? 312-981-7200. Here's Heidi on WGN. Hi, Heidi. Hey, how are you? All right, what's up? So I was in Hawaii in a, a level four hurricane, a Hurricane Aniki. And um, we were staying there visiting. And we got a call really early telling us there was going to be a hurricane. And that we should go to the supermarket if we didn't have any food. So, of course, we go to the supermarket, and there's a line, like, halfway around the block. And so we barely get any food. And we go back to the hotel, and they were watching TV, and they kept saying on the TV that Hurricane was going to hit. We were staying on the island of Kauai, and they kept saying, we're gonna hit, it's going to hit Oahu. It's going to hit Oahu. And then... At the very last moment, they're like, oh, my gosh, we've made a big mistake. It's going to hit Kauai. And the thing comes through. And I would say for eight hours, we were basically um, boxed in our hotel room and um, wound up staying in Hawaii for three extra days. There was no water, no electricity, no phone service. Mm. Um, And finally was able to get out like the fourth day after we were supposed to have left. That's scary. Yeah, That's... it was. The really the scariest part of it, too, though, was the day beforehand, um, we went to this beach, and I'm a pretty strong swimmer, and I went swimming, and I got totally thrown by the undertow in the water, and I got out, and I was like, oh, my gosh, the undertow in the water is just crazy. Mm-hmm. And now, only in retrospect did I know why, but... Um, it was a beautiful day the day before, and then this hurricane comes through. And wow. uh, That's scary. Yeah. What a scary story, Heidi. I'm glad you're okay, though. No, no. I can laugh at it now. I'm sure back then I definitely was not No, no, it. absolutely. I can understand that. Thank you, Heidi. Yeah. Thanks. Take okay. care. Take care. Wow, that's scary. Hurricane, man. There's Terry on WGN. Hey, Terry. Hey, Nick. How are you? All right. What's up? 
Hey, man, my story is about the 1967 Oakland uh, tornado, which you probably are, are at least somewhat familiar with. Um, we had just moved into the neighborhood. I was nine years old at the time, and it uh, was a normal day. And about four or five o'clock, I'm on the front lawn playing catch with my brother, and the sky, I think one of your previous callers described it as yellow. Yep. It was yellowish green, and what was really eerie was there was not a breeze blowing, it was not. It was like the day the earth stood still. It was just so eerie. We're yeah. both looking at each other like, "Are you are you feeling as weird as I am?" And within about twenty minutes, the skies opened up, the winds came sideways, the rain came sideways. It all hell broke loose. And my mother, like five of us, I guess, screaming to get us into the crawl space, and we're all hysterical. And we were fortunate because we were east of where the real damage came was done, yeah. but I believe there were 33 people that were killed in that tornado, many of them at a roller rink that was very close by our house, and at a friend of mine whose father was driving home from work, and the tornado picked his car up, oh. and it landed, no kidding, I, I think six or seven blocks away, I mean, it was just, you oh. know, for kids who are like nine years old, I mean, who are absolutely terrified, and I'll never forget for hours into the night, probably until six or seven o'clock in the morning, the sirens and the sirens yeah, 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 yeah. And, and watching the news and these kids coming out with their skates still on. I mean, it was almost 55 years ago, I yeah, think. Yeah. And I'm still to this day. It feels like it was about a year ago. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't even really imagine. Traumatic. I can't even imagine going through that. I can't even imagine. Yeah, but was, you, but the thing that you things. mentioned, the thing that you mentioned, Terry is how eerie it is before a storm hits. It, it, it is the it is the um, quintessential. I don't know if that's the right word, but the um, stereotypical calm for the storm. Yep. I mean, it is just eerie. And my guys, my brother and I, I was nine and he was seven, and we're we're two two dumb kids playing catch, and we looked at each other and we're kind of like. Something's not right yeah. here. We went yeah. inside. My mother's like, "Get in, get in, get in!" And within 15 minutes, yeah. all hell broke loose. And you know, I think I remember now. You know, can't, hurricanes have have categories of one through five. Tornadoes have similar designations. Right. I don't right. think. And this, I believe, was a four on a scale of five. Yeah. So this is one of the worst. We've never had. I lived there for out there. My parents lived out there for 50 years, and we never before or since experience anything like it so it's not like we were in tornado alley right. in plainfield or something it was one of those freak things that will probably never happen again but when it did it it really really yeah. impacted that neighborhood and that area for years to I come bet. i bet okay terry thank you i hey, appreciate it nick thank okay, you take care buddy scary stuff man i like what he said that 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 feeling that kind of almost primal feeling you know it's something that goes back to our our ancestors of before the storm you feel it you, well it's that's the that's to me one of the weirdest parts of a big storm when it shows up it's like it just gets so eerily quiet and the the sky turns a different color and it just it's really really foreboding um and that's one of the scariest parts of a of a big storm is that that quiet weird colored sky you know that precedes it and it just there's just this real foreboding feeling about the whole thing so uh 312-981-7200 here's randy on wgn go ahead randy hi nick i'm a big fan of yours Thank and you. uh i i uh heard the topic and i can't resist it had to be eight 
10 years ago, we always would uh, vacation in Clearwater Beach. So we'd go out to eat about 5.30 or 6 at night. And my daughter, who was, I don't know, 12 or 13 at the time, and I were heading out to get into the car to go out to eat. And the next thing I know, my wife is yelling, and uh, get in here, get in here. And we're, what? No, come on, we want to get in the car and go and eat. We turned around and looked, and there was a uh, tornado. It had to be, if it was 100 feet away, I'll eat my hat. And I could see the stuff in there floating around. It, it actually then turned, it was coming south, and it went out east over the ocean and became what they call a water spout. But it's extremely frightening. You can feel it. You can sense it, the power of it. And we were so close, we could see the stuff floating around it. Mm-hmm. So thank God uh, I grabbed my daughter and said, no, we'll go out to eat later. Let's get in the, the garage yeah. and the shelter there and go. But and it just came up, uh, as I've heard from some others, really no warning, you know, but I guess the water spouts are frequent in Florida, but very frightening. Yeah. Sounds, <laughs> we just sounds made it like out it. of there. Sounds like it. All right, Randy, thank you. Thanks, Nick. All right. Uh, here's Louise on WGN. Hi, Louise. Hi, Nick. How are you tonight? All right. What's, what's up? up? Wanted to let you know that I was in the tornado in hometown in 1967, and the homes in hometown were all frame homes, not real uh, expensive homes, and out of 15,000 people that lived in that town, there wasn't one fatality, which was just amazing because uh, there were 100 houses leveled right to the ground. So I... Yeah. My... Okay, thanks, Thank Louise. You. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen, in a storm, have you ever had the experience of the the hairs on your arm literally stand up from the static charge? No. Next, next time, if you happen to know there's a storm coming, go, like, just step outside and see if you can... You know, you can see the hairs will stand up because if there's enough static charge in the air, it'll make your hair stand up. Yeah. I, I usually don't go out when there's a storm. No, you don't? No. Oh. We can't get you in the... We'll, we'll get you in the wagon. Not, we'll get you in the I'm, tank. I'm, no. We'll go after a storm. Come on. It'll be great. No, I'm not Helen Hunt. You can be You can be uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You can be Rusty. <laughs> He's a lunatic. Exactly. <laughs> Close enough. You both have, you know, relatively long hair. I think that's the first time I ever noticed Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, and he'd done movies before that. I mean, what what year was what year was Twister? Ninety six. Okay, so it was, it was okay. So it was pre Boogie Nights. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Boogie Nights was ninety seven. Yeah, that was the first time I ever noticed Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's great in Twister. Yeah, he's great in Rusty. It. He's you can clearly see he's having a great time, just goofing off. And how does that not make you want to be like, yeah, maybe? No. Get in, get in, the, get in the van. No. Let's go storm chasing. She's turning green. <laughs> See, you guys were talking about your favorite lines from uh, from Twister. That's my favorite line. Mine is when <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman says, you know what the eye of the tornado is called? The suck zone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Let's take a uh, break here and we'll come back. I got some more weird but real weather events that we're going to share. And if you've ever been through a, a crazy weather event, 
We'd love to hear your story, tornado, hurricane, anything. 312 981 Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio. We're here until uh, 4 o'clock. And uh, 3 o'clock, our, the regular Friday features will happen. Um, straight out of context, that's when you listen to this radio station 24-7. Whenever anybody at any time says something that you can pull out of context and it sounds a little dirty and it makes you giggle, you jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. Uh, Nick D. Show Spies. Same thing. Listen 24-7. Whenever anybody mentions me or the show in any capacity, we want to know about it. You're a spy. Jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. We got You Big Dummy. That's where we read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff, and then we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom votes. I vote, and the first person through at 312-981-7200 is our third vote. And then finally, Fly Jams Friday. When Luscious Hushes shows up, and we play some Fly Jams and some R&B uh, to get your uh, Friday started. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're talking about uh, weird but real weather events. And if you've ever been through a crazy weather situation, tornado or otherwise, 312-981-7200. All right, how about this? The weirdness is heat bursts at night and the cause is thunderstorms. Uh, the sun going down on a hot day usually robs thunderstorms of the instability they need to survive, ending the day's rumbling thunder and heavy rain not long after dark. However, some thunderstorms don't go out quietly. Folks on the American plains have to deal with heat bursts every once in a while. If a layer of dry air develops within a dissipating thunderstorm, the rain falling out of the storm can evaporate all at once. The evaporating rain creates a bubble of cool, dense air that rushes towards the ground. This bubble of descending air compresses as it falls, causing it to dramatically warm up before crashing into the ground. Alva, Oklahoma, recently experienced one of these heat bursts. The temperature there at 7 p.m. on June 15, 2017, was a balmy 90 degrees Fahrenheit with thunderstorms in the area. By 8 p.m., the temperature dramatically rose to 96 degrees and peaked at 99 by 8.20 p.m. Wow. The sudden rise in temperature was accompanied by 20 to 30 mile per hour winds and a sharp drop in humidity. Temperatures returned to normal by 9.30 p.m., but some heat bursts have been more dramatic, briefly raising temperatures to above 100 degrees even in the middle of the night. Wow. You want, to, you want to move to Alva, Oklahoma, where it can reach 100 degrees in the middle of the night? And the winds come sweeping down the plane? Oh, jeez. Um, heat bursts. Okay. It's going to be a hot weekend here. Yeah, that'll be a nice burst of heat. Yeah. I think um, when I was talking to uh, Danny earlier today, Earlier today, before he came on to set up the interview, yeah, to set everything up. Yeah, we were chatting for a while, and he said that if there's no uh, storms or cloud, any sort of cloud cover to come through and uh, you know break that heat, break that sunshine, sunburn in 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you can get sunburn. Yeah, which 
I mean, seems like a decent amount. Of, yeah, of course, you know, 15 minutes. 15 minutes goes by fast. It goes by very fast. So if you have to be out, he was really suggesting if you uh, don't have to be outside on Saturday, maybe don't. Oh, I'm not going maybe anywhere. Don't. Yeah. You know, I will spend a significant amount of time in my bedroom because that's where I have my uh, window unit. That's your cooling station. But I'm not going to miss Sven. He's showing the Wolfman. Gotta watch the Wolfman. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Does the Wolfman get sunburnt? No, he's got hair to cover his face. And he's only out at night. You know what else is really hilarious is if you watch Sven Gulli when he shows the Wolfman, his Larry Talbot imitation is hilarious. It's hilarious. I've, I, I, you know, the last time Sven was on, I didn't, uh, I didn't make him do his Larry Talbot. It's when I'm like, oh, won't you help me? I, I can't do it. His his Larry Talbot is hilarious. And he's, he, you know, it's it's weird because like at the at the beginning of the Wolfman, he's a he's Larry Talbot's a bit of a creep. Like he's looking through a telescope and spying on a woman. That's when he goes over to the store and buys the cane. <laughs> That's your punishment for uh, looking at ladies. I love that movie. I do. When I was a kid, that was that's that was my favorite Universal monster. Is the Wolfman? Har- Harvey Wolfman. Yeah, he was my the, the the Wolfman was my favorite when I was a kid. Still my favorite. It's my favorite Universal monster. So I got to watch Sven. By that time, the sun will be down anyway, so exactly. it won't be as hot. No, hopefully not. Yeah. Um. All right. How about this? Some weirdness. Planes that can't fly. Cause is intense heat. Weather is the cause of most flight delays and cancellations in the United States. Weather conditions are too extreme for safe flying or rain and clouds just slow things down. It's never fun to have to fly when there's a big weather system rolling through. Sometimes even clear skies and bright sunshine can cancel flights. Phoenix, Arizona recently made the news for their record-breaking heat wave canceling flights at cities, the city's major airport. Temperatures rose as high as 120 degrees in Phoenix. Can you believe? Can you imagine that? 120 degrees. Oh, but it's a dry heat. Uh, preventing some flights from safely landing or departing. Uh, since hot air is less dense than cold air, extreme heat can prevent certain airplanes from generating the lift that they need to safely take flight. If these airplanes try to take off in uh, excessively high temperatures, the airplane runs the risk of barreling off the end of the runway before it could be lifted off. Uh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, when we went to Ireland back in 2010, I've told this before, that was at the time when that um, that Icelandic volcano was erupting. And they were canceling flights because you couldn't fly because the, the, the volcano was messing everything up. And so we actually, it was, it was interesting because we, during the window with, with which they allowed flights when the volcano wasn't erupting, that's exactly when we left for Ireland. But the weird thing is, is um, while we were in Ireland, the volcano was erupting again. And we kept thinking, well, we're going to be stuck here. 
because they're not going to fly. Um, and there was a, you know, but then finally it stopped again, like right, like the day before we left to go back to America. Um, and of course I'm, I'm terrified of flying anyway, but now I'm thinking to myself, oh God, you know, we got to, we're going to have to, you know, fly through volcanic debris and maybe crash. But yeah. And, um, I, I remember, you know, I was, we were kind of free. I, I was freaking out a little bit more about this whole volcano thing. And also, um, I, I flew to New York in the, in the middle of winter and they had to de-ice the wings on the, on the plane. And I was freaking out about that. See, we couldn't take off till there's guys out there like de-icing the wings. And I'm like, man, I don't need this. Um, so yeah, planes that can't fly in intense heat. How about, uh, wet cyclones on dry land? Uh, it's possibly the brown ocean effect. The brown ocean effect. Tropical cyclones usually fall apart once they make landfall. These swirling storms gather their energy from the heat given off by a warm, the warm ocean waters. Once that source of warmth runs out, the thunderstorms around the eye of the cyclone fizzle out and the storm starts weakening. Not all storms immediately fall apart once they hit land, though. Recent studies suggest that there is a brown ocean effect where warm, moist soil can serve as a substitute for warm ocean water, helping cyclones stay alive a little longer over land. The southern United States saw a great example of this not too long ago. Tropical Storm Aaron made landfall in Texas in August of 2007 as a weak storm with 40-mile-an-hour winds. Aaron made its way inland and unexpectedly strengthened over Oklahoma. Again, Oklahoma. Um, Three days later, the storm eventually grew stronger over central Oklahoma, and then it had been... um, than it had been when it was over the Gulf of Mexico. The storm blew through Oklahoma with wind gusts of more than 80 miles per hour and even started to develop an eye-like feature as it approached Oklahoma City. Again, Tom, want to move to Oklahoma? I've always wanted to go to Oklahoma. Yeah, I've been there. The, the Sooners? That's their thing? Yeah. What was it? What was Oklahoma like? Uh, it, it was okay. Flat? Yeah. We weren't there. I mean, it was another one of those states that we visited really quickly as we were driving through. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I've been to a lot of states and a lot of them were just driving through, just stopping for a couple of seconds for driving through. Because we, like I said, when I was a kid, we drove everywhere. I'll never forget the trip to Florida. We drove to, we, we drove to Disney World from Chicago. Was that 22 hours? 23? Uh, it seemed longer. (laughs) Um, my dad's Grand Torino. Oh boy! Yeah, went to Disney World the year after it opened, so it would be like seventy-three. Nice, something like that. Ride the teacups. I don't remember. Did they have the teacups? I don't even remember. They had to have done. I remember the haunted mansion. Of course, that was the thing that I that I loved the most at at Disney World. You had the haunted mansion album, right? I did have the haunted mansion album. Used to listen to it all the time. Yeah, the Haunted Mansion was my favorite. That was my favorite ride. I mean, this was a long time. That's 1973. Sure. So I don't remember a ton of it. 
I remember it being really hot. At, you know, what's Florida? Florida. Yeah. I remember at one point it was really, really hot. And, um, yeah. But I, rem- I remember having, to, I remember the haunted house that we went to off the road. I told you that story, right? Scariest thing I've, we've ever experienced. My mom is still traumatized by it. Just like, oh, look, on the side of the road, there's a, they get signs for a haunted house. Let's just go in. One of the most traumatizing things I've ever been through in my life. It was terrifying. I mentioned it on the air years ago, and I started getting calls from people saying, yeah, I went to that place. Every single person who called in, and this was just some weird, like, haunted house thing on the side of the road as you're going to, as you're driving to Orlando. And, um, but, you know, every single person who called in and says, yes, I remember that, that uh, haunted house in Florida. We looked it up online, too. I, I can't remember the name of it. It's, go- it's not open anymore, obviously. But it traumatized every single person who, call- who called in, said it was the scariest thing they've ever had to go through in their life. Yeah, I'll never forget it. it scared the hell out of me. My mom, uh, is, to this day, you know, my mom scares real easily. She's, you know, not a big, like, she freaks out at horror movies and stuff like that. You know what movie she freaked out at during the last 15 minutes? Annihilation. Well, yeah. Well, I was freaking out during that. Last 15 minutes of that movie. It's insane. Drug trip. It's awesome. But it's, and I love Alex Garland. He's a great guy. Oh, man. Very interesting man. He's like, the as far as I'm concerned, he's like the voice of sci-fi right now. So... All right, uh, we got uh, one more crazy uh, uh, weather event to talk about, and if you want to jump in here, I want to hear your your stories. If you ever been through, you know, a crazy weather event, tornado or uh, hurricane or anything like that, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, and uh, we'll get back to it right here on seven twenty WGN. What? Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock, as we are every uh, weekday morning. After 3 o'clock, our regular Friday features begin. Straight out of context, Nick D. Show spies, you big dummy. And, of course, Fly Jams Friday. 312-981-7200. That's our number. We're talking about crazy weather events. Have you ever been through like a, a like a crazy weather event? Tornado, hurricane, any of that kind of weird stuff? 312-981-7200. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Right here on WGN. All right. We got uh, another crazy um, weird weather event thing here. How about this one? Ball lightning. And the cause is unknown. Did you say... Unknown? Yes. A healthy fear of lightning is normal. This awe-inspiring phenomenon is hotter than the surface of the sun and it packs an electrical charge to stop your heart if you're if you're unlucky enough to get struck. 
Lightning is the subject of extensive scientific study, but we still don't know everything about the immense force of nature, including why it can sometimes form into a ball. I like that they felt the need to say a healthy fear of lightning is normal. Yeah. We don't know uh, much about ball lightning outside of the thousands of anecdotal reports from people who were startled by this unusual and short-lived phenomenon. Ball lightning is reportedly lightning that forms into a ball immediately after the strike of a normal bolt of lightning. After forming, it can reportedly move erratically, skip across the ground, and burn through surfaces that it touches. My God. Most reports state that it only lasts a couple of seconds before disappearing. A group of Chinese scientists captured this phenomenon on camera for the first time back in 2012, but experiencing it was the result of pure luck, something that doesn't foster much scientific research. Hey, Tom, see if you, if they've got uh, any images of ball lightning from the Chinese scientists online. Yeah, let's see. They've got, like, video or something. That sounds terrifying. So I'm not a big lightning guy anyway. Yeah, there's there's some uh, some interesting photographs here. It kind of just it's in the sky, and you can see there's kind of multiple lightning strikes, but it does congeal into a into a large white ball in the sky. That's weird. It is. It is really odd looking. It, well, I it can imagine. Just very odd. And this this I think this is the first one. Uh, it's in. It's the sky is almost purple it's mm-hmm. that real purple that deep purple that it gets and it's a large ball of lightning just this it's just almost exactly like it sounds it's just congealed into this one's a little bit more oblong i'd say but it's just very odd wow. okay and the cause is unknown which makes it even weirder let's see here is uh linda on wgn hi linda hi good morning hi uh Crazy thing that happened to us, I took my granddaughter to Universal Studios down in Florida, and uh, the whole group of us, we were sitting there eating in the little drive-in thing that they have from, like, the 60s. And on one side of the street, the building, the sun was coming down beautiful. The other side was pouring rain. And people coming in the door, some were soaking wet on one side, and the others coming in said they were glad to get the air conditioning. It was really weird. Never seen anything like it before. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've, you know, we've, I've, I've seen that happen before. Like if it's it's raining, you can actually see people. You can actually see it raining, like you know, a hundred and fifty feet away from you, and it's not raining where you are. I've seen that before. It's very strange. Yeah, well, we were sitting there, and it was like at first I thought I was just seeing things, like somebody had a a wall or something, like one of these false waterfalls, but it was really coming down. Yep. Okay, Linda, thanks. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's Larry on WGN. Hi, Larry. Hey, Nick. Yeah. How's you doing? Good. Uh, what I got is uh, nearly as exciting as the ball lightning, but uh, I used to work in uh, downtown Chicago, and uh, one evening uh, a bunch of us were going to go to uh, uh, get pizza in downtown Chicago, just drive uh, a few blocks, and 
went down, uh, got the weather forecast, chance of snow flurries, and went down to the lobby, touched base with the guard, and uh, it was snowing, maybe an inch of snow on the ground, and we piled into my convertible and uh, started driving. It was either on Ohio or Ontario. I forget which one goes westbound only. And the snow came down so darn heavy, had to sit, had to stop driving in the middle of Ohio because you couldn't see behind the hood of my car. And for about 20 minutes, we had to sit motionless because the snow came down so hard. Wow. Oh, okay. All right, some crazy snow. All right, Larry, thanks. Sure, bye-bye. I remember the blizzard of 79. And I was I was two in 1967, but they tell me the, the blizzard of 67 was even worse. Yeah, blizzard of 79 was crazy. It was crazy. That's when they piled all the snow underneath the the L tracks, and we would slide down it on our little sleds into the street, Addison, and we would hang from the bottom of the L tracks. <laughs> it's the seventies, man. You kids just as long as your kid came in, you know, if he came in with all his fingers. That was okay. That was a good day. Uh, here's Diane on WGN. Hi, Diane. Hi, Nick. I have a snow event, too. Um, it was the blizzard of 81, which wasn't a deep snow blizzard, but it was um, a super wind and wind chill blizzard. It was uh, one of the coldest, uh, at the time, it was the coldest recorded date in um the, the lowest low in uh, recorded history, and wind chills were like 60 or 80 degrees below zero, and it was our first sweating anniversary. Mm-hmm. So we um, went to a, you know, just drove to a restaurant that was about a mile away in a hotel, and while we were there, the power crapped out in the hotel, and the fire department had to come and bring in generators to power up and our meal had to be finished with those little um on those little burner things that you, when you have a meal prepared uh table side yeah they had to do that and then when we tried to leave um my husband's car wouldn't start and we ended up getting our ride back home in the fire truck wow mile back and that's when it hit us that we were lucky we hadn't had that same exact weather when we'd gotten married a year before. And since then, we've told, told people, um, don't get married in January. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was working at McDonald's. And I remember that. I remember how cold it was. It was crazy. Yeah. Okay, Diane, thanks. Okay, bye. All right, take care. Yeah, I remember... It, one of the coldest nights ever I was working at McDonald's. And I remember my dad came to pick me up after my shift. And uh, just wa- it was, I remember just walking from McDonald's to the parking lot where my dad was to pick me up. I, it, was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it gets cold in this city. And it gets hot. I mean, we get both extremes. Like, we got a hot weekend coming up. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, I, I remember that I'll never forget that night. I think it was an, it was an 81. I want to say it was an 81. It was, man, it was freezing. So yeah.
Weird weather in this city, man. I still remember having to come to work here on the night of uh, our mo- our most recent polar vortex. Mm-hmm. It would have been uh, winter of 2018 into 2019. I still remember having to come in to that. and Because uh, I used to, I, I would take the L every night. Yeah. You know, just come on in or come in on the bus. And that was the only night I ever took an Uber to work. And uh, wearing sunglasses just to protect my eyes and having my uh, my eyelashes stuck to my head. Yeah. Now it gets cold here, man. Love it or leave it. <laughs> that's, that's the city. That's Chicago, man. Nothing better. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are going to talk about, um, uh, apparently there's a new star sign that could mean that we've been reading our horoscopes wrong. Do you read horoscopes? 312-981-7200. What's your take on astrology? Have you ever gone to a psychic or had a tarot card reading to predict your future? Let's get into some of that weird stuff. 312-981-7200. We would love to hear from you. You Have you ever gone to an astrologist or a psychic or anything like that, and do you follow your horoscope? Uh, And we'll talk about that. Phone lines are open. 312-981-7200. And we'll do that right after the news, which is coming up now. Yeah, man. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio. It's a Friday morning after 3 o'clock of our regular Friday features. We'll begin straight out of context. Nick D. Show Spy, you big dummy, and uh, Fly Jams Friday. 312-981-7200 if you want to get your uh, requests in. Also, we are going to be talking about uh, horoscopes and stuff like that. If you've ever... Do you follow your horoscope? What do you think about astrology? How about, have you ever gone to a psychic or a tarot card reader uh, to have your future predicted? And how'd that go for you? 312-981-7200. Tom, you ever go to a psychic or a tarot card uh, reader? I, I have not, but I will say I've noticed a lot of my friends during this inside time, let's call it that, this inside time, have started leaning a lot on things like astrology and tarot card reading. Yeah. Because many of them, unfortunately, have uh, wound up in a certain level of either unemployment or underemployment. Yeah. You know, some of the jobs that they may have had, either in freelance or uh, other sort of things, have dried up. Um, And... (laughs) Uh, a good friend of mine has started as a means of making money has started doing astrology charts and things like that so you send uh you send them you know your your birthday and what time of day you were born i guess was is really important to the whole thing apparently this goes a lot deeper than just what day you were born you can be there's like rising your rising sun sign and your moon sign and Mm. All this goes into creating a picture of you as a unique person based on a variety of factors. I didn't really realize that until she started uh, charging 30 bucks for it. 
Um, I have not taken her up on the offer. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> but I find it interesting. She, uh, A number of people have started really getting into that sort of thing. That's weird. I mean, when you've got nothing to do, you might as well ponder the mysteries of the universe, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, it's it's always been strange to think about signs. Wasn't that big in the 70s? You know, that was like a pickup line. You know, what's your sign? Yeah, what's your sign, baby? Yeah. Yeah. Why? You know, why why then? Well, I mean, I guess there are people who follow astrology. You know, certain signs are supposed to get along better with other signs. Right. They're supposed to be more compatible. So maybe, you know, that's one of the reasons why people still say, "Hey, what is your sign?" And then you're supposed to see if they're compatible with you. What's the, I forget. What, what's your sign? Cancer. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah. That's the sign that's happening right now. Yeah, the crab, right? That's yep. that's that. That's the crab. Yeah, I was uh I'm a Scorpio, which I'm lucky. That's a that's a badass astrology sign. Both of my wives were Scorpios. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh Scorpios and Cancers are supposed to get together or, or get, get along get famously. along, yeah, get along yeah. together. Very good. I get along better with you than I did with my ex-wives. That's good to know. I'm glad I'm not in the ex-wife category. Yeah, they were both Scorpios. Um, and uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember some of the other women that I've dated. What is February 11th? Is that Pisces? Because I don't know. What, I don't know. By the way, call in, 312-981-7200. We're going to talk about if you ever gone to a psychic, you ever had your tarot card read, do you believe in astrology? All that stuff, 312-981-7200. Where does Fe- what's February 11th fall under? So February 11th, Aquarius. Okay. The age of Aquarius. So I, I dated an Aquarius. An Aquarian. An Aquarian. An yeah. Aquarian exposition. You know, I, I've, I've always thought it was funny uh, that people get so many things attached to what their star sign is. Like Gemini, that's the twins, right? The two yeah. the twins. Uh, are generally considered to be duplicitous, you know, two-faced. And I I know a lot of Geminis. And I wouldn't call them I wouldn't call them two-faced. But they've got two sides to them. There's a there's a little bit a little bit of truth to it. Well, that's why that Will Smith movie is called Gemini. Gemini man. Cuz there's two of them. <laughs> Twice the Will Smith, double yeah, the suckage. I, I, exactly. I don't want more Will Smith. I want less Will Smith. But yeah, um, yeah. You ever, you ever have your uh, your uh, tarot card read? Uh, you ever gone to a psychic? You believe in astrology? Do you get along with your mate? Uh, are, are you you know what sign is the, are the people that you hang out with? And uh, does it seem to does it seem to work? So NASA's new star sign could mean we've been reading horoscopes wrong. Um. So, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Maybe my birthday is not in that. Maybe everything is all screwed up. Yeah, they, but uh, according to the new star sign, apparently, um, I I am a Gemini now because Cancer is believed to be July 20th through August 10th. 
now because of this new star thing. We'll go through this uh, in, in, a, in a minute here. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, you know, we talking about going to psychics, going tarot card reading, astrology, all that fun stuff. Where do you stand on that? If you've got some stories, we want to hear them. 312-981-7200. We get it almost every night. And when that moon gets big and bright, it's supernatural delight. Every border was dancing in the moonlight. Everybody here is out of sight. Yeah. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. It's a Friday morning. All the regular Friday features are coming up after 3 o'clock. Uh, 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open. We're talking about uh, horoscopes and psychics and tarot card readings and all that kind of weird stuff. I've had my uh, tarot cards read. How'd that go for you? Uh, it was pretty cool, actually. Good fortunes, I hope. You, it was pretty accurate, I have to say. Mm. So uh, I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't believe in a lot of that kind of stuff. But it was but it was experience. it was weirdly it was weirdly accurate. You know, I what I love most about the card the tarot cards is the cards themselves. Oh, they're cool. I, I love tarot cards. Yeah, they just look cool, and I love the just the process of it. You know, just sitting down and having someone you know kind of do this little yeah this activity. And whether you believe in it or not, I think you just try it out. Just try it out. This was at a party. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They brought in a tar- they, they brought was, in a tarot card. They brought reader. in a tarot card reader, and you know, they paid her, and so we nice. didn't have to we didn't have to pay for the for the, the reading. reading. Yeah, and um, it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I thought that was kind of unique, you know, to bring in a tarot card reader at a party. I think so. I agree. Yeah. All right, uh, here's Wade on WGN. Hey, Wade. Hey, Nick. Long time. Uh, I've been working days away from Chicago, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I'm a Leo, and my wife's a Scorpio, and we're not supposed to be able to get along. Most of the time we do. It's been 44 years and counting. Well, that'll, that, that works. <laughs> some, some days it's like uh, putting out a fire with gasoline, but, you know, the makeup sex is awesome. Oh. oh well, there you go, Wade. All right, Wade. Thanks. Yeah. Good for you, Wade. Oh, Good for you. Geez. Here's Will Vetta on WGN. Hi, Will Vetta. Hi. How are you? Okay. What do you got? Well, I've been to a psychic reader twice. Uh, once it was like 25 years ago, and it was a treat. It was a gift. And at the end of the session, uh, all that she said was uh, pretty much true. I can't remember, so how about I know? Anyway, but at the end of the session, she um, said I was easily, how easily I could be hypnotized. So she, um, it was the, the friend who was with me showed, the, the, the person who was conducting the session showed the um, person who treated me to the um, reading um, how easily I could be hypnotized. And the last time I went was in 2008. And um, when I tried to call the woman back, it was just, you know, a waste of time and my money. So I learned my lesson not to go back to any psychic ah. readings. Well, there you go. All right, Will Vetta, thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Where, where was she? What was going on in the background there? 
party. Jeez. Yeah, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people are uh, curious about that kind of stuff. You ever been hypnotized? No. It's weird. We've ha- I've had I've had hypnotists on the show many times. And they did they try to hypnotize you on air? No. Okay. I, I don't think curious. so. I don't maybe you won't remember. Yeah. But when were you hypnotized? Uh my freshman year of college. Why? There was every year they do like a welcome thing for all the freshmen and everything like that over at Loyola. And uh generally speaking every year they invite this hypnotist. And um you know, I was trying to fit in or meet some people and everything like that. So I decided to volunteer at this hypnotist show. Mm-hmm. It, was in far, it was probably in front of like 150 people, maybe 200 people. So um, I go up there and I didn't think I was going to get hypnotized because he was honest. You know, he was just like, you know, this might not work on you. If mm-hmm. it doesn't, don't worry about it. I'll know and I'll tell you to leave. Like I'll be able to say thanks for coming up, uh, but you're not going to be hypnotized. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, oh, it's not going to work on me. And then I guess I came to, you know, he's, I say this, and then I came to 45 minutes later. And I had been hypnotized. I didn't, I didn't even remember it. Didn't re- it was like I went to sleep for 45 what, minutes. What was he making you do during the 45 minutes? So I guess, uh, you know, he was making you do the typical stuff like, all right, uh, touch your nose. Bark like a dog. Bark like a dog, stuff like that, you know. Uh, say your favorite color. You start out with simple stuff, but I, I guess the thing that was remembered most was he's like, "All right, well, I want you to imagine the the most attractive celebrity you can think of, the most the person you have a, a, a huge crush on, your big celebrity crush, and picture them. They're in the room with you, you know that sort of thing. He's just like, you know, celebrities with you. Now I want you to." I want you to make out with them. Oh, no. And so there was a line of like five people just pretending to mac on celebrities. And he went up to each person and he would ask them who they were, who they were with. And one girl says Ryan Gosling and some other guy says, uh, you know, Carmen Electra or something like that. <laughs> and I guess he gets to me and he's like, all right, who, who are you making out with? And I was just like, Tina Fey. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> allegedly, the room erupted in laughter because they were just like, "What a pick!" You know, yeah, not not anything wrong with that. They were just like, "Really, Tina Fey?" Tina Fey. But fun fact: uh, my now girlfriend, who I've been with almost eight years, was in the audience, and that was the first time she ever saw me. Wow! She was like, "What is? What's up with that dude?" <laughs> Tina <laughs> Fey. Tina Fey. She's like, "All right, solid pick, Tina Fey." Nothing wrong with that. Uh, with uh, no, she's Tina gorgeous. She's, she's awesome. She's she's amazing. She's funny. She's you know, she beautiful. auditioned for the Factory Theater. Really? Yeah. In your time there, uh, about a little less than a year before. That's wild. Yeah, she didn't get picked. <laughs> I have this. I have this conspiracy theory about some, some a catchphrase that Tina Fey has. Okay. Okay. Um, she. Auditioned for the factory. She came to see factory shows. Um, I was in a show with my friend Mike Meredith. The first show I ever did at the factory theater was called The Angry Show. And it was just a two-man show. Uh, and at one point, I did a monologue about a guy I went to high school with. We used to call him Romero. At, named after the guy from Escape from New York because he had weird hair. Because this 
friend. His name was Eric England, uh, but we called him Romero. But we, after Escape from New York came out, we he became Romero. So um, uh, he had a very distinctive way of talking. He talked like this, um, and he he um, used to say, "We there's one part where we were, he he used to drive a uh, a pacer." And um, so we would, you know, because he was one of the one of the only guys in in school that was driving regularly. You know, a lot of us we were we you know we were taking the bus. Some people didn't have licenses yet, that kind of stuff. So one night we're driving, and he says, "I want to go to there, Peeps Tacos," and we're like, "No, that's Peppies." So I did that in my I did that in my in my monologue. I said, I want to go to there. And I think Tina Fey stole that from me. I think Tina Fey was in the audience one night watching the angry show. And I said, I want to, because it, it got a laugh every time I said it. I want to go to there. And she's, that's a catchphrase of hers on 30 Rock. Speaking of that, 30 Rock was on last night. Not everywhere. What? The, there were a bunch of NBC affiliates that didn't show it. Why? You know, let me let me get you the details on that, but they didn't. What the hell, man? Well, they they I it, well, it was on my DVR. I'm going to watch it. I was going to watch it when I got home. But yeah, so uh, that's a conspiracy theory I have. Because <laughs> when she first said it, the first time she said it, she said it on on Thirty Rock. The first time, very first time she said it, she said, "I want to go to there." I was like, "What?" So I don't know. Here's a little here's a little background. Uh, in a plot twist right out of 30 Rock, NBC's biggest local affiliate groups have decided not to broadcast the network's upcoming 30 Rock reunion special. Wow. Why? Let's see. They're, uh, that, I, I can't even understand that. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It better be on my DVR when I get home. I'm going to be very mad if it's not. So, anyway, that doesn't make any sense. Though they they don't give a reason. Yeah, here we go. Uh, so this is from Vulture. So New York Magazine, I believe, is who they're with. Yeah. Uh, sources say that station owners think the 30 Rock reunion will promote NBC Universal's new streaming platform, Peacock. Which officially launches, which officially launched on uh, July fifteenth. So they don't want the idea of Thirty Rock going on there and on, on a local NBC affiliate and just blatantly saying, "Hey, stop watching traditional broadcast TV. Go watch this new streaming service, Peacock." Um, was the episode previewed for these affiliates? I mean, do they knew? Do they actually know? Did they actually know the content of the of the episode? I think it may have because let me just give you the headline from Variety: Thirty Rock Reunion, a funny, blatant commercial for NBC's amazing streaming service, Peacock. Oh come on, really? So something tells me, uh, yeah, CNN as well. Thirty Rock reunites for a one-time special. That's really just an infomercial. Oh man. Oh, tough, tough break. Well, I'm going to watch it when I get home. I'm sure you will. So does that mean I can't watch 30 Rock on Hulu anymore? God, I think you can't. Why wouldn't you? 
Well, well because sure it's going to go to Peacock. It's going to go to Peacock. Oh. I'm glad I rewatched the entire series earlier this year. Yeah, I can live with that. That's a great show, Thirty Rock. It is great show. All right, um, let's take a break. When we come back, we have you ever gone to a psychic? Have you ever had your tarot cards read? Do you follow your horoscope? And I'm going to tell you that some of the uh, the new star that NASA has discovered may change the the constellations and therefore may change what sign you are. Oh no. Your birthday is what, November 7th? 4th. 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 Uh, let's see. You, um, let's see, you are. I was a Scorpio. Well, now you're a Libra. Oh, is that the scales? Is that just like. Yeah. I th- oh, God, that's. You're a Libra. Oh, well. It was fun while it lasted. I'm a Gemini now. So you're the Gemini man. I am. I'm Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Do you uh read your Scorpio your Scorpio? Do you read your uh horoscope? Uh have you gone to a psychic? Have you ever had your tarot cards read? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred uh here on WGN. To most, it's just another sidewalk or parking lot. But to Robert R. Andreas and Sons, it's a work of art, perfectly paved with attention to detail. Andreas and Sons, a family-owned Chicagoland business with the experience to handle any job. Patios, stairs, foundations, driveways, loading docks, warehouse floors. Andreas and Sons does it all, commercial, industrial, or residential. If your project requires concrete or asphalt, then you need to contact the experts. Andreas and Sons. For a free estimate, call 708-863-5735. That's 708-863-5735. Or just visit andreasconstruction.com. Robert R. Andreas and Sons, general contractors specializing in high-quality professional concrete and asphalt solutions since 1956. Call 708-863-5735. That's 708-863-5735. Or visit andreasconstruction.com. If this changing world has inspired you to work in healthcare, your talent is needed. Nurses and professionals in medical imaging are needed now more than ever. Resurrection University is providing students the healthcare education needed to build successful careers in nursing and radiography. You can get your bachelor's degree in nursing in as little as 16 to 20 months, and they offer daytime and evening weekend programs. Take the next step toward a career in nursing or radiography. Visit resu.edu. That's resu.edu. Resurrection University. It's amazing to be needed. As Illinois reopens, everyone is required to wear masks when going out. Chicago-based EW Masks has you covered. EWMasks.com has a comprehensive selection of face masks at great prices and offers volume discounts. Whether you're an employer and need to buy in bulk for customers and employees as you reopen or an individual being responsible, make sure you have your protective EW mask every time you go out. Fast shipping to any location or curbside pickup available in Chicago at 1437 West North Avenue. Order now. EWMasks.com has you covered. Power Crunch is hooking you up with a chance to win $15,000. Visit the Power Crunch display at select Jewel Osco stores for your chance to win. And stack up on your favorite Power Crunch protein bars and Power Crunch Kids protein snacks. Power Crunch, protein reimagined. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere. Lover stands on golden sand. Sand white. 
watches the ships that go sailing. Yeah. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio. We're here until uh, 4 in the morning. And then at 4, we head over to uh, Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great group. And then the one and only Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Phone lines are open. Um, Do you read your horoscope? Have you ever uh, had a a psychic reading? Have you ever had your tarot cards read? Astrology fans uh, insist that there is a 13-star sign that no one ever talks about, and it's called Ophiuchus. It's a reference to a 2016 NASA post which said the Babylonians knew the 12 signs didn't fit perfectly with the Earth's rotation. Oh, that's right. Johnny Carson. How did I forget about that? Uh, yeah. Every uh, weekday morning at around 2.30, we play back some classic Johnny Carson. And uh, Johnny Carson uh, show is on uh, Antenna TV every night. And my favorite, one of my favorite bits that he ever did this is from 1975, and it's another visit from the great Karnak the Magnificent. You might like to be injured here on the show. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So good to see you again. You always say that, and I always forget exactly what it means. Sim Salabim. My three sons. <laughs> Sim Salabim. I hold... In my hands, the envelopes. These envelopes, a child of four can plainly see, are hermetically sealed. They've been kept in a mayonnaise jar in Funkenwagel's port since noon today. No one knows the answer to these questions. But you, in your incredible way, will ascertain the answers without ever before having heard the question. Is that about it, sir? <laughs> Won't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you forget this I'm, bit? Yes, I'm going to See, when you wear the turban, that's what this is. <laughs> Envelope number one. May we have silence, yes. please. Hermetically sealed. I know. And I will divine the answers yes. to the question. Mayonnaise jar, Funkin Waggles porch, noon today. And I have not seen this. No one has seen it. No one knows the answer. But you will divine it. We get going here. The answer is two for the road. Two for the road. That's the answer. Question, how many Chryslers have been sold this year? (laughs) Wine and the Los Angeles Lakers. Wine and the Los Angeles Lakers. (laughs) Name the two things that are in the cellar. May the best meal you ever eat consist of kitty litter chips. <laughs> Dead end. Dead end. That's right. What does a dentist get if he backs into a Novocaine needle? Peat moss. 
peak moss. What grows on the north side of a guy named Pete? What? Just <laughs> high wire. What do you call a Western Union marijuana gram? <laughs> May a vindictive camel leave a holy relic in your granolas. Diamond head. What does Liz Taylor have on her yacht? Diamond head. True grit. True grit. What goes into an NBC commissary hamburger? What does an artist do when he sketches old people's teeth? May a desert nomad do a desert no-no to your sister. What number is this? Divining. I can almost see you divining. I was divining. <laughs> T.S. Eliot. T.S. Eliot. <laughs> what do you say to Eliot Janeway when his savings account runs out? <laughs> I hold in my hand the last envelope. May a crazed lizard unravel your underwear. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> Shake up. <laughs> What's a drink made with 7-Up and prune juice? <laughs> yeah, Ed was really having a good time with that one. Ed was losing it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Karnak. Karnak. Funny every time. Every time. You can watch Johnny Carson's show on Antenna TV every night, and I suggest you do, because it's great. And we play highlights, uh, if I don't forget, we play <laughs> highlights after 2.30 from the classic Carson collection. It's rare that I have to remind you. Yeah, because it's one of my favorite things. One of your favorite things? Yeah. You're too busy fo- you focus on your sign, man. 
Yeah. What's your sign? I don't know what my sign is anymore, man. Who am all, I? It got all messed up. <laughs> Pass me the bong. We'll get back to uh, horoscopes and stuff like that and psychics. And if you ever got your tarot cards read, let's go to a phone call. Here's Hillary on WGN. Hey, Hillary. Hi, Nick. Hi. Uh, yeah, I, was, I was just uh, listening to your show, and I was thinking about my parents took a cruise to the Bahamas in the 70s. And my mother came back with a, a thing of tarot cards, and she said, okay. And she said, you know, I, I met this lady, and she said she was going to give me a reading. And uh, she said, the lady who sold it to her said, uh, well, w- would you like uh, another free reading? Or, you know, you know what, if you don't want to, I can throw some chicken bones free of charge. <laughs> I thought, what? <laughs> she said, you know what, that's good. I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. But, you know, it was, just, it was odd. But, you know, I still have them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I learned how to how to read tarot cards. But also, you you mentioned um, something in the heavens. Uh, if you check out space.com or jpl.com, uh, there's some really cool pictures of outer space. And, and I thought, you know. What the heck? You know, it's just, it's a fun show. And I really do appreciate your show. I've been listening for, I don't know, you, you know, well, happy belated birthday. And, you know, thank you for your show. Okay. Thanks, Hillary. All right. Bye. Yeah, they they do that. They There, there are people who read bo- chicken bones. Yeah, that's augury. If what's, I'm not, what's it called? I believe it's called augury. Um, Wasn't he an engineer here at one time? <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you know, I saw. I was on the bus once, and I saw him just sitting on a bench. <laughs> Aubrey, yeah, I did. He's a great guy. I was like Aubrey. He's a great guy. Um, I remember the guys over at the broadcast, the Blackhawks broadcast. Let's call them Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, but that's Augury is um. That's what chicken bone reading I, is. Uh, what, uh, maybe that's not it. I know augury is the is birds. That's reading the birds. Reading the birds. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? You read the behaviors of birds. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, a there's a name for it. There's a name for it. But yeah, bone reading. There's as we learned fairly recently. Asparagus reading. That's right. Yes. Je- our good friend Jemima Packington. That's right. We're doing the asparagus. She's in Australia, right? No, uh, uh, Britain. Britain. Yeah, right. She's in Bath. That's right. We'll have to. The, can tell your future by looking at the uh, by looking at uh, asparagus. Mm-hmm. We'll have to get her to read your future soon. No, I don't want it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got some weather for you. It's gonna be a hot weekend. Brace up. Drink a lot of water. Put on the fan. (laughs) Take a cold shower. That's right. Today, mostly sunny, becoming hot inland, moderate humidities, and a high of about 91, but uh, cooler near the lake. Tonight, scattered uh, clouds warmer with higher humidities and a low of 73. Saturday, mostly sunny, windy, becoming intensely hot with high humidities. Uh, peak afternoon heat indices 102 to 107. Good Lord.
Sunday, possible gusty morning thunderstorms. Uh, then partly sunny, breezy, not quite as hot, but continued humid high of around uh, 91. Monday, partly sunny, not as hot, but remaining fairly humid. A chance for a thunderstorm at a high of 88, cooler near the lake. Uh, Tuesday, clouds build, warm and humid. Uh, some uh, clusters of thunderstorms are possible in a high of 85, uh, a little cooler near the lake. It's currently 71 degrees at O'Hare, at 71 at Midway, and 71 at the lakefront. Just going to be a hot weekend. That's the deal. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We'll uh, finish talking about horoscopes and stuff like that. If you've ever got a tarot card reading or any of that kind of uh, weird stuff, 312-981-7200. Nick DeGilio here on WGN. Yeah, man, Def Leppard. <laughs> uh, how'd they come up with that name? I uh, I don't know. So weird. A Def Leppard. Yeah, but there's no A in Def. Right, but still. Yeah. Def. Like definitely? Like definitely a leopard? I'm definitely a leopard. That's Joe Elliott. He's like, yeah, man, I'm definitely a leopard. And leopard's not spelled like leopard. No. Spelled L-E-P-P-A-R-D? Yes. I don't know, man. D-E-F-L-E-P-P-A-R-D. These guys in the 80s, I don't know what they were up to, but it was real strange stuff. Yeah. I I like Def Leppard. They're good. Yeah. I like a little Def Leppard. Uh, Photograph, one of the greatest songs of all time. A perfect song. Well, perfect, you know, perfect song. I don't think strip clubs would be the same without Def Leppard. Well, pour some sugar on me. Exactly. So, hey, the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. We're talking about uh, horoscopes and that kind of stuff. They're changing the constellations. So, I will give you uh, the changes. So, you might your your sign might have changed, and I'll tell you uh, uh, all about that. But we want to hear from you. You ever gone to a psychic? You ever had a tarot card reading? Do you follow your horoscope? All that kind of weirdo stuff. 312-981-7200. Here's Stuart on WGN. Hi, Stuart. Hi. Good morning. How are you doing, Nick? All right. What's up? Not much. Just want to say thanks for uh, the show and keeping me uh, company every morning. Oh, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, I tried to go to a psychic once, but uh, I don't think she was very good because uh, – when I got there, there was a sign on the door that said closed due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I need a rim shot here. He, Come on. He, he just gave you one to her. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay, I didn't hear it. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah it's like you never see the uh, the headline, uh, Psychic Wins Lottery. Yeah, it's true. All right, thanks, Stuart. <laughs> All right, have a good, uh, good show. The rest right, of the show. Thanks, Thank buddy. you. Somebody drank their Henny Youngman juice this good, morning. Good for him. <laughs> unforeseen circumstances. <God. laughs> That's good. <laughs> hope my dad's listening yeah he better be taking notes jot that one down <laughs> he's always collecting jokes always my dad somebody tells him when he writes it down immediately so he doesn't forget it I've purchased joke books for him he's got like a ton of joke books yep have you ever heard the one about Rene Descartes 
Uh, no. Uh, so, uh, Rene Descartes goes into a, goes into a bakery and, uh, he orders, he orders some toast and the, uh, baker says, oh, would you like jam and butter on that? And he says, I think not and disappears. Oh my God. What is wrong with you? I mean, we could go way back to the conversation about saying a word a hundred times till it loses all its meaning. That's a good place to start. Well, the terrifying thing is, who agreed with you on that? Several people. Several. There are literally dozens of us. You just repeat a word over and over in your head? Yeah. No, you say it out loud. Say it out loud over and over and over again until it loses its meaning. Yeah, it just, it just like, seriously, sit in a chair sometime. No. And just, just say the word bowl. No. Over. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. Well, that. Then you're never going to get it. You're never going to expand your your consciousness. You're never going to understand the, the the fragility of language. You know what? I'll get some shrooms to expand. I mean, my I know a guy. If you want that, I can make that happen. Good or we Lord. can take the cheaper route and not do illegal drugs and simply use the power of your mind. I don't have a power in my mind. That's true. All right, here are, are the changes here. Capricorn was December 22nd to January 20th, and it's now believed to be January 20th to February 16th. Aquarius was January 21st to February 18th. It's now believed to be February 16th to March 11th. I hope I'm not blowing your minds right now by having your... Uh, your uh, sign changed. Pisces was February 19th to March 20th. It's now believed to be March 11th to April 18th. So that makes my mom, my mom now is a Pisces. Cool. The fish. Um, Aries was March 21st through April 20th, but now it's believed to be March 18th to May 13th. Taurus was April 21st to May 21st. It's now believed to be May 13th to June 21st. This changes everything. Gemini was May 22nd to June 21st, but it's now believed to be June 21st to July 20th, which makes me a Gemini now. Like Will Smith. Uh, Cancer was June 22nd to July 22nd. And it's now believed to be July 20th to August 10th. Leo was July 23rd to August 23rd. It's now believed to be August 10th to September 16th. So that makes my dad now a Leo. Virgo was August 24th to September 22nd. It's now believed to be September 16th to October 30th. Libra was September 23rd to October 23rd. It's now believed to be October 30th to November 23rd. Scorpio was October 24th to November 22nd, but it's now believed to be November 23rd to November 29th. And now this uh, Oficucus is believed to be November 29th to December 17th, and then Sagittarius was November 23rd to December 21st, but now it is believed to be December 17th to January 20th. 
So everybody's shifting, everybody's man. Shifting. Do you know your uh, Chinese zodiac sign? No. Okay, so it's, it's that's by year instead of a uh, you know a month sort of thing. So what you the year you were born? Yeah, the year you were born. So 1965, right? That's right. 1965. Year of the snake. Year of the snake, like yeah. Pliskin. Yeah, like snake. <laughs> <laughs> and I 1993. Uh, year of the rooster. And do you know what year 2020 is? Year of what? Year of the rat. Yeah, there you go. That Geico commercial still makes me laugh. Yeah, good old rat with two T's. Do you have any other hits other than that? Lay it down. Um, they had a did a couple more. the 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 first album is the one that really. Their second album, they had another. They had, I think they had like four or five albums at that time in the eighties. Because I had like I had at least three rat albums. <laughs> that's I, I would say that's uh, two more than most people had. I had at least three, maybe even more. Because it was uh, the big ones out of the cellar. Out of the right? cellar is the big one. That's pretty good. I like yeah. that. I like that record with Milton Berle in the in the videos. God, that is Mer- Milton Berle. You know why he's in the videos? A big hair metal fan. I don't no. know. Rat had the same agent. Oh no way! Yeah, Rat had the same agent or manager. Either so, so like, yeah, can we get uh let's put Uncle Milty in. Let's get Milton Burl in this. I think it's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. But no, I, they had the same either manager or uh some sort of representation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I find endlessly amusing that Rat had the same sort of management as Milton Burl. Doesn't that seem weird? And that, you know, they're like, you know what, we gotta get some street cred when we go and play the whiskey over on the Sunset Strip. Let's get Milton Berle in a video. Milton Berle's, he's great. He's great. But was he popular with the kids? Um, I don't think so, but <laughs> but that but that's the, uh, that's kind of why it's so funny. Is that, that the last person that you would expect to be in a an 80s hair metal, you know, video is Milton Berle. And yet there he is, in drag, too, because, well, he was known for that. So, Uncle Milty. Mr. Television, as they called him. Apparently he was a a, a massive jerk. No, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Massive jerk. And there was a part of his anatomy that was supposed to be really huge. His feet? Think again. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Yeah, well, big socks. In this in this case, uh, that's that was a that was a uh, uh, that was a rumor that was attached to Milton Berle's entire career. It was attached to something else. He was too. Atta- yeah, he was attached. Dummy. <laughs> you big dummy! You big dummy! See what you did? Oh no! You big dummy! You dummy! That's right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. It is the regular Friday features time. (laughs) 
And we kick it off with You Big Dummy. This is where we read real news stories of real people doing real dumb stuff. And then we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom votes, then I vote, and the first person through at 312-981-7200 is our third vote. Let's get started. Dummy number one, dummy number one, dummy number one. A woman ran for her life after a brown bear angrily reared up at her as she attempted to pose for a photo next to it. Again, we get these every other week, right, Tom? Idiots trying to take pictures with wild animals. The nail-biting incident was caught on camera in Romania on June 30th. The video clip shows the woman's car pull over to the side of the road as people in the car behind the film behind film the scene. A woman was forced to run from a bear, which lunged after she tried to pose it. A male companion had a professional-looking camera out and is taking photos of the woman wearing white and blue as she inches closer to the wild animal. She manages to get within a couple of steps of the bear, though not looking very comfortable about it. The bear suddenly lunges towards her as though going to attack her, and she runs off in fright. The person filming the scene can be heard gasping in horror. Um, the bear decides not to pursue the woman who fled safety and uh, instead sits back down on the side of the road as passengers sitting with the person filming laughed at what they had seen. <laughs> After the woman flees from beside the bear, the people in the car with the, that were filming can be heard hysterically laughing about the near miss. No one was harmed in the incident. Bear attacks are not uncommon in Romania, which is home to an estimated 7,000 wild bears. Wow. That's a lot of bears. Um, The hunting of bears was banned in Romania in 2016, but recent bear attacks since the ban uh, was enforced has led to some people calling for uh, trophy hunting to be made legal again. And for every dummy, there's a dummy. One dummy ain't enough in this house. You got to bring home super dummy. Dummy number two. Dummy number two. Dummy number two. Uh, A man who fired a gun into a murder victim's grave during a burial service was sentenced to 15 years in federal prison. On November 22, 2017, Elton Stevenson of of Chicago drew a handgun at Evergreen Cemetery and fired a single shot into the grave of a man who had been murdered two days earlier. You ain't expletive. You got what you deserved, he said before firing the shot. Stevenson then waved a gun in the direction of mourners and fled. He was arrested a short time later near the entrance of the cemetery. Stevenson pled guilty to one count of illegal possession of a firearm uh, uh, previously by a cre- previously convicted felon, and he was sentenced to 15 years in federal prison. Well, if you and Rollo going to be in the movie, I got the perfect name for it. Super Dummies. Hey, 
has some for you right here. Want it? Dummy. Dummy number three. Dummy number three. Dummy three. Authorities say a golfer was accidentally shot by another man attempting to shoot a woodchuck <laughs> on his property late Monday morning. <laughs> According to the Dodge County Sheriff's Office, crews were called to the golf club at Camelot on State Highway 67 in the township of Lomira. Shortly after 11 a.m., the Sheriff's Office says although the incident is still being investigated, the 50-year-old man was attempting to shoot a woodchuck on his own property. (laughs) While trying to shoot the animal, the bullet ricocheted off some trees and hit 80-year-old Fondaluk man man, who received non-life-threatening injuries. The man who was hit by the bullet was taken to St. Agnes Hospital in Fond du Lac. Authorities say the man is expected to be released. Neither the neither the name of the man who was hit or the property owner were named by the sheriff's office. Dodge County Sheriff's uh, Deputy Dale Schmidt reminds all gun owners: when you are shooting a firearm, always know that your target is and what's well what's well behind it. Won't be long before we'll hear the pitter patter of tiny dummies around the house. I'll spell it for you. D-U-M-M-Y, period. All right. Let's take a break. we got two more dummies to get through, and then we uh, will vote. 312-981-7200 is the phone number as the uh, Friday features continue right here on 720 WGN. Truly, is there a better TV theme song than this? No. The answer is no. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and let's get back to our regular features. We're doing You Big Dummy. Dummy number four. Dummy number four. Dummy number four. A Florida man... There you go. A Florida man arrested for running in the street unclothed at 2.45 a.m. told police that he went for a naked jog yesterday after being dared by a friend, according to an arrest affidavit. Uh, Conrad Tucker, 58, did not seem bothered by the fact that he was nude while in public view, uh, department officer uh, said. Uh, Reportedly could not... Uh, Tucker reportedly could not advise where he was staying or who his friend was. Additionally, Tucker said he did not have access to any clothing. What? Uh, Tucker, who is listed as transient in arrest records, was charged with exposure of sexual organs, a misdemeanor. He was held in lieu of a $150 bond at the Pinellas County Jail. They laddie dumb is dummy. Just Donna and me. And 
Dummy makes three. Dummy number five. Dummy number five. Yeah, five. On June 11th, a 43-year-old woman exited a supermarket in Hiragushuri and drove away in her car. However, she didn't get far before noticing that her driver's side tire had gone completely flat. While examining, another car drove up. The driver, 32-year-old Yoshido Harada, offered to replace her damaged tire. While a kind gesture from an apparently total stranger... The woman was struck with a sen- sudden sense of a case of deja vu. This was because the exact same thing happened to her in June of the previous year. Unsettled by the coincidence, she decided to report the encounter to the police who investigated the matter and found through surveillance camera footage that Harada had slashed her tire in the parking lot of the supermarket and then followed her car until it pulled over so that he could be the first on the scene to offer help. According to police, Harada admitted to the crime saying that he didn't do it in order to meet... He did it in order to meet the woman. (laughs) Now here's where the plot thickens. As the news of this strange attempt at courtship came out, uh, some were reminded of an eerily similar case in 2013. The suspect then was also a man named Yoshido Harada, who was 25 at the time and hailed from the same city as this Harada. Assuming this isn't a remarkable coincidence, this man was picked up seven years earlier for the exact same misdeed. In fact, during that arrest, Harada's lawyer remarked that he'd probably done it at least about a thousand times. Harada avoided prison by compensating uh, the few victims who came uh, came forward 30,000 yen, which is $279 U.S. each. He also agreed to certain monitoring systems, such as a GPS tracker, that his parents could use to make sure he was staying out of tr- staying out of trouble. It didn't seem to work, however, and he was picked up again in 2016 after a victim told him an acquaintance uh, who had, had her tire fixed by a 28-year-old man in the same way in 2015. This was the same exact situation that led to his 2013 arrest. Legality aside, after about a decade of criminal mischief and the countless money spent on spare tires, sealant, and and restitution, Harada wasn't able to hit it off with a single woman. (laughs) In other words, his four-digit sample size was still too small uh, to gauge the abysmal success rate of landing a date by slashing someone's tires. It certainly does go without saying that tampering with people's vehicles is an extremely dangerous way to get to know them and should be avoided at all costs. So if anyone you know is planning on meeting that special someone, by slashing tires or cutting brake lines, <laughs> or even non-vehicular crimes like licking ears or licking hair, please intervene and recommend a nice online dating service or a VR partner instead. Have you ever seen him act? I've been watching him act all his life. <laughs> like a dummy. I mean, I didn't know you were interested in gardening. Why not? Well, up to now, the only thing you've grown is dumber and dumber. All right. All right, it's uh, time uh, to vote. Let me do a recap. Tom will vote. I will vote. First person through at 312-981-7200 will be our third vote. Uh, we got the Romanian woman who runs for her life after trying to pose with a bear for a photo. 
We got the Chicago man sentenced to 15 years after firing a gun into a murder victim's grave. We got the man who attempts to shoot a woodchuck on his property, but the bullet ricochets off and hits a nearby golfer. We got the man busted for 245 during a naked run. He said he did it on a dare. And we have the man arrested again and again and again for slashing over a thousand women's tires just to get to know them better. <laughs> All right, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. All right, Tom, what's happening? Mm, what's happening indeed? Um, this is tough. Um, <laughs> I want to give the runner-up to the guy who's slashing tires to meet women. It's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. That's really stupid. But I feel bad for him, in a sense. Just, you know, don't slash tires and cut brake lines. That's not yeah. cool. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the guy was trying to shoot a, a, a woodchuck. A woodchuck. <laughs> like in the Geico commercials. Oh, my God. You know, you got to look downrange, guys. If you're yeah. holding a weapon, you got to look what's downrange. You got to. Because that's just dangerous. That guy could have been seriously hurt. Luckily, Luckily you know, he wasn't. Yeah, and he's got a cool story out of it. He's got yeah. buckshot in his, uh, in his keister, but... Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to give it to the woodchuck. And that was out of Wisconsin, by the way. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, take responsibility. 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open. First person through will be our third um, our third uh, vote. Um, you know, the the um, the man busted for running around naked who did it on a dare. Of course, that's Florida. Of course. The Russian woman who runs from her life, but I, I don't. I, these these stories about people who try, who are trying to take selfies or pictures with wild animals, but that it's the stupidest. I mean, uh, I don't know. Um, I I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go uh, uh, with the guy who slashed no, the tires. Really? Yeah. I thought you were gonna go woodchuck. I really yeah, did. I mean, I, I like the woodchuck thing. Cracks me up. But I gotta go with this because this is this guy's done it over a thousand times. It, he just That's... keeps getting stupider and stupider. <laughs> All right, so we're down to these two. So three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We got to be the deciding vote. Call in now. It's either the man who attempts to shoot the woodchuck and hits a golfer, or the guy who gets arrested for slashing over a thousand tires just so he can get he can meet chicks. <laughs> uh, so those are the two choices. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Phone lines are open. Call now. 312-981-7200. So, again, uh, the man who tried to shoot a woodchuck hit another guy or the guy who was arrested again for having slashed over 1,000 tires in an effort to meet women. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got uh, somebody here? All right. Ron, what are you voting for? I'm going with the guy with the tire. But, boy, it was some dumb this <laughs> Yeah, lots of dummies. So you're going with the tire? I'm going with the one with the slash the tire. Okay. All right, Ron. Yep. Thanks, buddy. Yep. yep. There we go. That's our dummy of the week. There you go, Ron. Very original way to try to meet women. <laughs> Personally, I like to keep them in a well in my house. Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, what's his name? Buffalo Bill. Didn't he have like a... I mean, his name was Buffalo Bill, but didn't he also have, like, was it Jamie Gum? It's, it is Gum. I think it's Jane. Is it James Gum? Jamie Gum, I think. Is it? And why would I remember that? I hate that movie. Yeah, it's James Gum. How, how do I, well, 
dude, just you know, because Ted Levine. Well, Ted rules. Levine rules. rules. I mean, there's just there's no question about it. But um, you we, you want to try and get one or two in here? I say so. All right. Well, let's try this and see what happens when we do this. And I got to do that and then this. So when I'm in your neighborhood, you better duck because Ice Cube is crazy as f bomb. Context, context, context. Context, context. What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out of context, 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 context. All right, let's get a couple of these in. This is straight out of context. This is when you listen to this radio station 24-7, and you should because it's great. And whenever anybody says anything at any time, uh, and you can pull it out of context and it sounds a little bit dirty, jot down the day, the time, who said it, send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. All right, Tom, let's get a couple of these in. All right, first off, Ro Khan sent in by Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. I'm going to get you off. <laughs> what an auspicious beginning. Oh, my God. What were they talking about? Uh, he, he was saying that he was going to be like a lawyer. Like a, I can't remember what lawyer name he said, but uh, some famous lawyer. Okay. So Clarence Darrow? <laughs> yep. He was Clarence Darrow. <laughs> Clarence Darrow will get you there off. There it is. Okay. <laughs> All right, number two here uh, from Canadian Bill, it's Nick DiGilio. Oh, come on. I don't think we, we – I don't remember whether we did it. Uh, <laughs> What was that? Talking about the uh, Pledge, of the Le- Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. Pledge of Allegiance. Oh. Couldn't okay. remember if you did it in school. Yep. Okay. All right, uh, this one coming to us from Dirty Dave. Here is Lou Manfredini. So it's important to keep the shrubs trimmed back away from the unit. (laughs) Oh, man, that's good. That's good. (laughs) All right, let's do one more, and then we'll break. All right, one more. This one is uh, coming to us from Brian J. It's another Lou. I would spray that and saturate it, okay? Really uh-huh. get it wet. Come back and hit it again. Allow it to dry. Uh-huh. Come back and hit it again. Maybe three times, maybe even four times. Uh, God, I, I hope Esmeralda's listening. That was her classic. All right, we got more straight out of context coming up here as the Friday features continue right here on 720 WGN. So when I'm in your neighborhood, you better duck. F bomb. Out of context, context, context. Context, context. What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out of context, 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 context. All right, there you go. Uh, we're back to it. Straight out of context. All right, uh, Tom. Shall we do the thing? We shall do the thing. All right. All right. Next up here, this is coming to us from Jim. It's a little bit of Uncle Dean. Is there any positions there for Schwanny so we can get him off? Oh, man. (laughs) What was the case there? Uh, Talking about getting Schwanny hired at the Sox, I think, or in the sports department because of the great Andy Mazur. Oh, okay. Maybe helping him out there. Help him out. All right. (laughs) All right. Schwanny a Sox fan? You know, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. I never talked baseball with Shawnee. Mostly about the monkeys. The band? Yeah. So he's a fan of the monkeys. He's got he's got some really good record collection, he does. Oh, he does? Yeah. Okay. Mr. Shawnee. Did he like the show? I think he did. Yeah. 
That show, I, I always loved that show when I was a kid. Great show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up, uh, some more Lou from Wild Bill. It's a two. It's a two for you, Lou. Okay. From Wild Bill. Here's the first one. It's a single shaft that goes in. <laughs> and uh, number two. Then you need to put the rod back in and tighten that um, that little nut. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, Lou's show is just, you know. It lends itself. It completely, completely. Okay. Uh, some more Dean here from Brian. I did it with some chicken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about cooking, obviously. Yeah, talking about cooking. Okay. Doing a little food time. Uh, here's Mark Carmen. How much are the wieners on Wiener Wednesday? <laughs> Who sent that one in? It was from Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Wiener Wednesday. Yeah, What's Wiener, Wiener Wednesday? Wednesday? I think that's for the Chicago Dogs. Oh, the, the Chicago uh, Dogs. Yeah, Wiener Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I got caught here. Uh-oh. This one from Glenn. I'm watching these two dudes go at it. <laughs> Talking about the professional slap competition. Uh, slapping. Two dudes slapping yeah. each other. Isn't that crazy? It's great. I mean, it's insane. It's quality entertainment. Just wailing on each other. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, little John Williams here. This one from Fox Valley Mike. I asked my doctor, where should I put my pants during the prostate exam? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What prompted him to say that? He was uh, mid-joke, in fact. Oh. Because I think he took a cue from your dad, and he does his speed round of jokes. Uh-huh. I think on a weekly basis. Uh, so he, tell, he tells prostate jokes? I guess so. You, you know what the, the following line to that is? I asked my doctor while he was giving me a prostate exam where I should put my pants. He says, oh, just over there next to mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, good. That good That's funny. By the uh, way, I'm a little distracted. Terry Garr plays Lisa Kudrow's mother on Friends. Yeah, she does. That's great casting. Solid casting. It is. Very good casting. Great casting. Because she's on right now, and I love mm-hmm. Terry Garr. She's awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, another one from Brian J. here. <laughs> this is Roe and uh, Lauren Lapka. I was just going to pull over and pitch a tent. You want to try and pitch a tent for the first time on your own in the middle of nowhere? Yes, I would like to. Film it. It'll be so funny. (laughs) My listeners have dirty minds. That they do. Okay. All right. Uh, Little Mary Vandeveld. Oh, Mary. It's always good to have a little Mary Vandeveld on here. Uh, (laughs) This one coming to us. Let's see. This one, uh, another one from Brian. You know. I just did it at Ace Hardware yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what did she do? Uh, I think they were talking about like uh, giving to charities or something that are set up at a uh, oh you know, okay places okay. Uh, and then let's uh, let's cap it off here. Final one. This is from Fox Valley Mike. A little bit of Rocon. Well, you got three ways to to enjoy your peacock. <laughs> Talking about the new streaming the new service. streaming service. Yes. Boy, they're really buying a lot of time on TV, man. That they are. Yeah. I ain't paying for it. When I get home, I'm going to watch the one-hour commercial for it called 30 Rock. 
Um, okay, so that's it for uh, that's it for that thing with the thing. Yes, sir. All right, let's try this thing with the thing. Spies. Spies, 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 like us. There it is. Yes, every week at this time, around this time, we do the spies, and it's Nick D Show Spies. And this is when you listen to this radio station 24-7, and again, you should because it's the best. Whenever anybody mentions me or the show in any capacity, we want to know about it, you become a spy. And you jot down the day, the time. Who said it? And you send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. All right, Tom. All right. First one here. This one's coming to us from Lake Geneva Dan. Yeah. Uh, they must love you on the morning show because you pretty much get a mention <laughs> every single week. That's cool. Uh, so this is, this is a pretty long clip here. Uh, here's a clip from Bob Surratt. Nick DeGilio is talking about you, Mary, at the end of his all-night show, right before 4 this morning. I got in the car a little early, so I heard the end of his show, and he was talk- I, yeah. talking about the police and getting arrested, and he said that we were talking one morning about who's most likely to get arrested around here, and you said, Nick, I don't remember that. Did you I say that? I think it was before you. Oh. Yes. I, I, I kind of did, yeah. I was right. <laughs> you mean... Before me, before I started here, yes, yes. on the morning show, it oh, was okay. the morning show. Yeah, we were talking about that one day, and um, yeah, and Nick had been arrested for uh, something. Well, he was speeding, but then it was a parking ticket, and they they ended up clearing his name. It was something ridiculous, a clerical error, he says, and <laughs> but he was arrested. Yeah, I never see him. I see his producer. Is that who Tom, Tom. is? Yes, yeah. Tom. Did I you see Tom in the hallway today with the cat? the cat crawl thing i did what the heck was that <laughs> i don't know he, he yeah he had this big uh cat scratching post yes and as he was leaving he just said i i couldn't get nick to play with this so i'm taking it home yeah i said i hope you're not riding the red line <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious uh you should probably explain Oh. Someone here at the station gave you one of those cat trees. Yeah, big a big cat. It's a cat palace. Really. Cat palace tree. It's big too. Yeah, it's a great. It was very kind of them. To because you recently got a cat. Yeah, recently got a cat. So um, nice cat tree. But uh, instead of being smart and just saying, "Oh, I'll come pick it up from you this weekend," I was like, "Oh, just leave it at the station. I'll bring it home." I remember because it was in our office. I remember when I came in that morning. I was like, "What the hell is this thing doing?" And there's a, you still haven't brought home the litter scoop. I know. Well, I'll take for the, the cat. Scoop the cat poop. I scoop. already have a litter scoop. What do I need two litter scoops for? Well, why is it in the? Why is it, people are going to walk by our office and go, "What the hell is the litter scoop well, doing?" Unless you make a mess, you know. Yeah. All right. Got to clean out your litter box. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah, that was that's pretty funny. That except when I first saw it, I was like, "What?" <laughs> also, two morning shows that don't know who I am. Thank you. That's hilarious. You. That is that's hysterical. To every morning show host, they're like, "Who's that giant man who walks around here?" Yeah, he waves to me every morning. I don't know who he is. <laughs> All right, uh, this next one also from the morning show. This one's from Jeez. Jill. I know you're very popular. You're very popular. Uh, here's Bob Surratt. Email from Linda. I heard an ad on WGN. It asked, "What do you say, couch or sofa?" And then it added Davenport. I was glad to hear them say Davenport because that is what I say. 
And for the night meal, I say supper. It's kind of interesting. It was funny because Nick DiGilio on the all-night show was talking about those old terms. I heard a little bit of him as I was driving in this morning at about 4. And he he mentioned Xerox. That's kind of an outdated word now. Uh, calling somebody a card. Do you do that? I was glad Nick didn't mention anything I say here in the morning. <laughs> I wasn't included in his oldies but goodies list. <laughs> I've been a fan of Bob's for so many years. I know. Yeah. At least listen to him on the Big 89. There you go. Yep. Okay. Is that it? Uh, finally, one, one more. One more. Okay. Yeah, this one's coming to us from Tim, a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, here's a little Mark Carmen mentioning you. Oh, word of the wise here. Log off at work. Uh, big show today. Thank you for putting on WGN Radio. Excited to be here and for Pete and um, just a, a ton going on Uh in the world, by the way, Nick DiGilio also logged into this computer, now logging off his personal email there. It's, it's, it is a, it's a busy scene in here this, this afternoon. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. This computer? I, I can only assume. I log out every single time. Maybe not this time. No, I log out every I time. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, man. Take it up with Carm. Give him a call. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's the last one there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know what would happen there. Net security. Don't know what happened there because I log out of this computer every time. At the end of the show. I'll be doing it in about 15 minutes. I'll be logging out. So, all right. Uh, there it is. And we'll do it again next week. Just keep your ears peeled. Whenever anybody mentions me or the show, we want to know about it. You're a spy. And you jot it all down and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. When I grew up on the farm, fly was something we sprayed to kill, and jam <laughs> was something we put on our breakfast toast. Jam. Fly jam. Fly jams Friday. Oh, yeah. This is Fly Jam Friday on your overnight radio with my man, Nick D, on 720 WGN. All right. Yeah. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. And we always like to play some fly jams near the end of the show. Get you off on a funky note for a Friday. 312-981-7200 is our number. Let's say hello to Luscious Hushes. He's your DJ. Oh, yeah. Luscious Hushes, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 so Luscious Hushes, do we have uh, some uh, requests? That we do. Okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Mark L. wants to hear a little bit of Barry White. He's just going to love you just a little. Oh, Give it up. Ain't no use. I can't help myself if I wanted to. I'm hung up. No doubt. I'm so in love with you for me that the way I'm called Deeper and deeper in love with you I'm falling Sweeter and sweeter And you gotta love Barry White. You gotta love Barry White. He was such a large human, too. He was a big dude. Uh, 
one of the best. All right there, Luscious Hushes. What's the next request? Next from Chris, a little uh, Shirelle. You a Shirelle fan, Nick? Yeah. All right. Well, Shirelle, she uh, she didn't mean to turn you on. Yeah. Jeez, I wonder what decade that song was recorded in. I don't know. It seems mid-50s. Yeah. That's a great song. I haven't heard that song in a long time. Yeah, that's a good one. Good request. For Fly Jams Friday. All right. What do we got next? All right. Next, uh, if we're going to you know, go to the king of Fly Jams here, Nick's dad. Oh, my dad. Yeah, he wanted to hear a little bit of the Staple Singers, and uh, it's called I'll Take You There from uh, Stax Records. Beautiful, beautiful song. Yep. Ain't no smiling faces. No, no. Lying to the races. Help me. Come on. Come on. Great song. Uh, used to um, great effect in the movie Threesome. You ever seen the movie Threesome? Uh, no. Oh, it's great. <laughs> no, it's great. Josh Charles, Stephen Baldwin, Laura Flynn Boyle. Directed by Andrew Fleming. It's a great movie. It's a really, What's really the great premise? movie. It's a well. What happens is these these two guys are living together in a, in, a, in a college dorm, and um, there's a connecting room, and the, the administration makes a mistake, and because her because uh, Laura Flynn Boyle's name is Alex, they think she's a guy. Oh, so they put her in the room with these guys, and then there's a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I, I, should, I really should have guessed. You know, seriously, it's a really great movie, a really, really great movie with a fantastic for the opening credits, fantastic Tears for Fears song that they use. And I, I, I love that movie. I really do. I watch it. I've watched it. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen it. And you know, it was on my top ten list the year it came out, and Roy thought I was nuts. Was Roy <laughs> not a fan of Three? No, he thought it was okay. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. Like Fair I, enough. I really love it. Um. Yeah, it's really funny. It's it's really well acted, uh, and it's uh, it's kind of sexy. Fun for the whole family. Yeah, I uh, I I think it's a great movie. I really do. So, okay, 
All right. Uh, I think this is a pretty deep cut here for uh, this next one. Coming to us from Keith. A little Hall and Oates. I don't know if you heard this one. Portable radio. No, I don't know. Clearly, there's another person singing because, you know, Daryl Hall's voice is very distinctive, and you know it. That other voice is clearly not Daryl Hall. Do we know who it is? It not is it Oates? I'm pretty sure it's John Oates. Wow. Okay. Oates getting featured pretty strong. I don't know that song. Do we know what era that's from? Uh, let's see here. So that's off of Ecstatic. Ecstatic. It, yeah, seventy nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ecstatic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that song. It's nice that Oates got featured pretty big in that in that yeah. one. You got you to gotta throw a little Oates in there yeah. every once in a while. It can't all be Hall. No. It's like Raisin is Bran, you know? You, you love the Raisins, but you got to have a little Bran. Of course. Otherwise, no bathroom. <laughs> 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 uh, all right all right uh next one coming to us from mike in louisville it is you and i rick james That's a deep cut. Definitely a deep cut. Okay, let's do one more. Then we'll get out of here. All right, let's uh, get this one going on here. A little bit of Funkadelic, One Nation, Under a Groove, and this one's coming to us from Michael. Here we come, getting down on the one which we believe in. There you go. All right. Yet another uh, fun fly jam Friday. Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, what do we got going on uh, Sunday night and Monday morning? We'll be hanging out with Mark Reddig from Landline. Ah, uh, good old Mark Reddig. Yeah, news from the road. Great. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's hit it. We got the early morning news coming up.